Rescue the Fosters is about changing the foster system. We want to ensure every child has a safe environment to grow and become healthy, successful adults. Additionally, when I was in the foster care system, I had to defend for myself. Rescue the Foster is here to empower the youth aging out of the system and offer resources to ensure they are not dependent on the government. What we observed was that children become institutionalized and end up in prison and providing the government with more funds. Rescue the Foster will provide coaching, resume writing, interview skills, professional attire for interviews, budgeting, applying for college, and obtaining housing. We want these youth to live the most free, successful life possible. It is their right and our responsibility to ensure that our future kids and grandchildren can live happy lives. Jeremiah 2911, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Good evening and welcome to Rescue the Fosters. I am Gino, your host, and as always, the co-founders and co-hosts of Rescue the Fosters, Miss Daniel Holm and Miss Sylvia Beachy. Ladies, how are you this evening? I'm good. Fun. I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be a good show. Uh, we have a returning guest. It's been a minute. I, I don't know. At least a year, I would suspect, since we've had Zachary King on. Zachary was once a high-ranking wizard in Satan's kingdom who has given his life to Jesus Christ and surrendered it all to him. Uh, instead of that dark kingdom, he has joined the kingdom of light and has many a story to tell, that's for sure. Um, last time, we were all just with our jaws on the floor, I think as he was describing some of the things he was involved in and uh, the people that were also involved with it. So, Zachary, welcome back to Rescue the Fosters. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me back. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate you and appreciate all you're doing for the Kingdom of Light now, uh, exposing the darkness. And um, before the show began, we touched on this a little bit, but we've often talked about that I think the one aspect of, uh, well, what we cover here is child trafficking for the most part, is unknown the unknown part is the spiritual warfare and what's actually going on in the kingdom of darkness to uh i mean for me it's the system of moloch i think you can go back to the old testament and trace the lineage of of what was going on and how uh children are the sacrifice for the elites and and how they believe it gains power and maybe it does gain some kind of spiritual power i'm not sure from the demonic side but those are all questions for you sir and we are just thankful that you're well, back and um, if you could, for the audience sake, just for some new viewers and maybe people that aren't familiar with your story, uh, could you just give us kind of a brief background of how you got into it, how you climbed the, uh, the company ranks, so to speak, and how you came out of it? Sure. I uh, had a burning desire by the time I was 10 years old to find out if magic was real. After my parents and my Baptist preacher assuring me that magic was just in movies, and not real. Apparently, they missed the 33 verses in the Bible to tell you not to do magical things. Why would God tell you not to do something if it was impossible to do? So I proved that magic worked. I did three magic spells for money, got $5, $10, and $1,000. I joined up with a group, not knowing they were a satanic coven when I was 12, and officially joined them when I was 13 got involved in human trafficking when I was 12 and child prostitution and child pornography. I was in that till I was 16 and a half. Um, 
I did my first assisted abortion when I was 14. I graduated high school when I was 18, joined another satanic coven at college, but it wasn't real. Um, then I joined another coven and started working with them, got in with their abortion group, became the high wizard at 21, broke all the sins under the sun. Um, at 33 years old, I'd had enough and wanted to escape. Um, at that time, I was worth, in my bank account, my satanic bank account, I was worth $87 million. I lived in a mansion and I drove a Lamborghini Diablo. But in my real bank account, I had about $235. I usually wore metallic t-shirts and cutoffs. I drove a Nissan Sentra and I lived in the ghetto in Tallahassee, Florida, an area called Frenchtown. Starts one block behind the governor's mansion. Um, I had to pilfer money out of my own account because all my accounts were watched and I escaped. I saved up money for eight months. I escaped. I tried to get into Canada twice, failed twice. And I ended up um, moving to Oklahoma and I stayed there for three years, one year off the grid, two years on, tried to get into Canada again and failed again. And I was worth about $18 and had half a tank of gas and drove to Burlington, Vermont, got a bunch of jobs as managers, a couple of them in bars, some of them in retail, and eventually ended up at Piercing Pagoda and um, did a magic spell one night. Next day I went into work and I was just a basic day. And this woman came up to buy a pair of gold bearings. And, you know, by the time I left being a high wizard, I'd been doing it for 12 years, but I'd been in Satanism overall for about 26 plus years. So I was addicted to magic. And the next day, we, this woman came in, we did the transaction, I'm about to close the deal. And she says, well, you know, actually, I'm shopping with my daughter. And when I'm done, I'll come back and buy them. Well, I know when people say that, they mean I'm going to go find it cheaper someplace else. But she had an honest face. I knew she was coming back. And sure enough, three hours later, she came back. We did the transaction. At the end of it, I pulled out the receipt. I say, if you call the 800 number on this receipt, take a survey, you might win $1,000. She goes, that's fantastic. I've got something for you too. And I thought, oh no, she's gonna pull out a Jack Chick pamphlet, tell me that I'm sinning and he dropped to my knees and do all this stuff that I can't do because I sold my soul to the devil when I was 13. And instead she pulls out this little worthless gold colored piece of tin. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And then she says the strangest thing I've ever heard. She said, Blessed Mother is calling you into her army. And I thought, Blessed Mother, Isis, Gaia. And she says it's very powerful. Protestants don't bless anything. So this woman represents a female deity cult. 
I'm not interested in her cult. I've already come from two big cults. And I just got to tune her out. I go to my happy place. And I think, how do they all find me? There must be a sign above my head. Crazy people come here. And an arrow <laughs> going down to me. I can relate. <laughs> a lot of people can. And eventually I tune her back in because she's still standing here. I've got her money. She's got my gold. This is win-win for the both of us. Why hasn't she walked away yet? So I tune her back in. She says it's very powerful. No, 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 no. She's challenging me. She somehow knows I used to be the high wizard. That there's between two and five of us in the world, but that number could be as low as one or as high as 10. So at any one time, I might have been the only one high wizard out of 7 billion people. That's a power trip and a half. And she's trying to tell me that this blessed miraculous metal can somehow do something to me. Mm. I'm going to take it in my hand. I'm going to feel of it. And I'm going to know there's no power to this. There's no mystique to this. This can't do anything to me. And then I'm going to toss it on the floor, slam it on my counter, and I'm going to tell her it's worthless. And if she wants to return the gold and get her money back, do that. You know, if you want to call my regional vice president and complain, do that. My regional vice president's never going to believe I was rude to somebody. She's going to think she didn't like your tie. She didn't like your shirt. She didn't like your goatee. She didn't like your dreadlocks. She didn't like your cologne. But it's not you she didn't like. So I stick my hand out. She's all giddy. So I'm willing to take it. She drops it in my hand and I clench my fist around it. All ready to tell her about all this stuff. Except when I clench my fist around it, my store and my mall completely disappear. Everything's gone. I'm standing in this darkened void and it's me and this woman, Marianne Wickman, the woman that gave me the medal that tells me about the magic spell I did last night. And that's of the devil. And I've committed over a hundred abortions and that's of the devil. And I've split over a hundred churches and that's of the devil. And she says like eight or nine other things and everything ends with, and that's of the devil. Now, when I first got here, I wanted to attack her with an energy burst or something to just make her back up. But now I'm terrified of this woman. Well, let's go back to me being the only one-eyed wizard in the world. I couldn't give somebody a gold-colored worthless piece of tin, transport both of us to a darkened void, and know all her sins. Her magic is stronger than my magic. I don't know what to do. What if I let go of the metal and it drops through the darkened void, but I do too. And I just continually fall and don't find my way back to my mall, back to my store. I don't know what to do. And this woman says again, the blessed mother is calling you into her army. And instantly I knew that was the mother of God, which is very odd because I grew up Baptist. We would rather shoot ourselves in the face of a shotgun, then say mother of God. And as soon as I said it was the mother of God, Mary showed up. 
It's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And she smiled at me. And it was a smile I knew I did not deserve. I was acutely aware of my 146 assisted abortions and all the bells and whistles that came with that. And she took me by the hand, the hand that had the metal in it, and she turned me around. She led me to Jesus. Her son, Divine Mercy Jesus, was standing behind me. I didn't know what Divine Mercy was. I had these rays of light going around me and under me and over me and through me. And in that instant, I knew I did not sell my soul to the devil when I was 13. I knew that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. I knew all my magic, my occult, my Satanism, and my new age was false. And I knew everything Catholic was truth. And the Blessed Mother told me my job was to help her end abortion. And they opened my hand and I was back in my store, back in my mall. This woman, Marianne Wickman, is still talking to me. And she tells me that she's Father Joseph Whalen's personal assistant. And he's such a busy priest, he doesn't even have time to talk to her. And she's the personal assistant. While she's talking to me, her cell phone rings. She looks down, she goes, well, this is Father Joe. I've got to take this call. Oh, go ahead, you know, you just explained all this. So she takes the phone. Now, at that time, Father Joe was starting to go deaf. So he talked like everybody was going deaf. So I heard everything he said on the phone. And she's like, Father Joe, what can I help you with? Can you hand the phone to the young man you're talking to? Like, certainly, she hands me the phone. I'm shaking like Ozzy Osbourne. I'm like, hello? Welcome to the faith. Hand the phone back to Marianne. I hand the phone back. He hangs up on her. Her daughter comes up. She says, can you bring this man one of each of everything? The daughter runs out to the truck. We get two more phone calls like that first one. Two other people that knew somehow that I was there. And then her daughter came in with a paper grocery bag, Catholic Bible, a bunch of pamphlets. Why do Catholics do this or believe that? And like 125 Lighthouse Catholic media discs. When I got home that day, my wife, who had been a fallen away Jehovah's Witness, said, ex-wife, yes, thank you, honey. Ex-wife, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. Um, you know, I walked in the door, she was doing the dishes. I was like, hey, honey, guess what? I'm Catholic now. She was not happy. But she started going to daily mass with me. Now, that was in January of 08. I officially came into the church in May of 08. I was working with St. Raphael for almost two years. Then in 2010, in October, I started All Saints Ministry, which is my ministry now. And from 2010 till now, I've had a little over 200 interviews and a little over 200 conferences. That catches you up to where I am now. Thank you for the recap. Yeah, there's a couple things we're probably going to want to touch on. One, uh, because I know the audience is probably going to be very um, interested in hearing about this magic. You know, when, when I think of magic, I think of David Copperfield. 
you know, and he, he makes the Statue of Liberty disappear or something or, you know, whatever. He's floating in air. Or, or what's Chris Angel's, the other guy, you know, that got pretty famous there for a while doing all those crazy things. But that's, I get the feeling that's not what you're talking about, Zachary. Well, there's, there's two types of magic. There's M-A-G-I-C, and that's what they do. Although there is, I met one of those guys. It wasn't one of the, one of the ones you mentioned. There's another guy. And I met him in a pub in New York. And he asked if I wanted to see a magic trick. And so he, he pulls out a deck of cards and he has his own top hat. And so I'm like, sure, I'd like to see the magic trick. So he comes up, he takes the deck of cards, he has me choose one. And I look at it and I put it back in the deck of cards. He then wraps them in a cloth, puts them in the hat, puts some kind of fluid over them, and lights them on fire. Then he goes over to the bar and gets some kind of water from the bar and pours it in the hat, puts the fire out. Then he searches through the cards and he tells me, your card should be here, but it's not. I don't see it anywhere. And he goes, I saw you put it back. I put it back. I, I saw that I put it back. No one there. I have my own group with me, but they're not anywhere near me. And David Blaine, that was it, David Blaine. I was just going to ask. I was yes. going to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> so he searches through all of his cards and he goes, your card's not here. I was like, I put it back. He goes, I know. It's not here. And he asked these guys, you guys see what he did with the card? And they're like, no, we saw him put it back. And he tells me to check my pockets. And I'm like, nobody's been near me. There's no way it's in my pocket. He goes, I would check your pocket. So I stuck both my hands in my pockets. In my right pocket, felt like a card. And I pulled it out. And it was the card that I put back in there, wet from the water he poured on it and seared from the flame. It was partially burned. So it was in there when he lit the fire and it was in there when he wet it. But no one was near me during this whole time. And it somehow ended up in my pocket. How? And I thought that's real magic. I need that's, to know. That's M A G I C K. <laughs> Alistair Crowley said that you spell real magic with a K. So, satanic magic, you could tell the difference in satanic magic and trickery. He also said you could do another magic trick. Would you like to watch him levitate? And I said, I can levitate. And he goes, well, I'd like to see you levitate. So I did. I levitated about a foot off the floor. And then he levitated about a foot off the floor. And we're just looking at each other. <laughs> I know that I was levitating because a demon lifted me up. Yeah. He had to be levitating for the same reason. Wow. Okay. So I, oh gosh, I'm out of 
my mind's going a million miles a minute. Okay, so <laughs> your levit <laughs> now I the levitation. I always thought, okay, well that's just you know trickery, whatever. But you're saying that physically happened a demon because you were so integrated with the demonic realm, you could at command okay. ask them levitate me, pick me up. Yes. Wow. So I went to a show in Vegas. I think it was Lance Barton and. Uh, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And there is no explanation other than what you just said. There there had to be something crazy that happened. So basically he was up at the front and he did the thing where the cloth goes over him and he falls and he's no longer there. In a split second, he's right next to me. So he went from the stage to right next to me in like a second. <laughs> I saw David Copperfield do a a similar thing where he was standing in the front on the stage we were sitting me and a friend were sitting almost in the very back and he went from that they they kept showing that he was on the stage like they put a ring around him and they moved it back and forth and he's solidly there and but he's covered with the sheet and then they like hit him with a couple of things so you could see that he's still there. And then some guy came out with a sword and slashed at him. And when he slashed him, the sheet was gone and his, his body was gone. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly the spotlight hit right in front of us. And in front of us was a silver box that took out that seat. So no one could sit in that seat. You could sit on either side of it, but not in that seat. And we had seen the silver box, didn't know what it was for. It was for David Copperfield to stand on because when he appeared, he's right there. Mm -hmm. But he didn't get there from walking there. Yep. He was just suddenly there. Yes. And it's like this magic trick took place right in front of me. And I'm like, how did he do that? Yep. That's literally you know, what happened with Lance Burton. And I was, I literally screamed. The Bible <laughs> actually, the Bible actually talks about translation. There's a couple of accounts in the Bible where a translation happens. A person was in one spot, all of a sudden he's in a different spot. Now Transfer, I don't, trans, translation trans. they call it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You, I know translation is also language, but. Teleportation. Also, you can call it that. Yep. Okay. In the Bible, it's translation. They, they're literally in one place and then in another. And um, so it, it's definitely something possible in the, you know, um, demonic, angelic realm for sure. And then, you know, Jesus himself in his in his body on earth, how many times was he in the midst of a crowd that, crowd that wanted to kill him, throw him off a cliff, and all of a sudden he's just, it says he was in their midst, but then he moved from them. Like, but no one could grab him. No one could touch him. He, it wasn't his time yet for the crucifixion. So there's, there's definitely uh, legitimacy, I think, behind all that. In the Catholic Church, we have saints that can bilocate. Mm -hmm. They can be in one spot. And then there was a Padre Pio in the, he died in the 1960s. And people saw him in World War II because he came there in the heat of the battle to hear their confession. And they knew Padre Pio. And they said it was Padre Pio. He showed up for my confession. 
And then, you know, right after you would hear somebody's confession and then the person would almost die. But Padre Pio never left. He was in Italy at his church. Yeah, he also, uh, didn't he have stigmata too, I believe, Padre Pio? Stigmata as well. Yeah. There was um, there was something else I wanted to ask you. Now I'm gonna forget about the uh, the magic. Oh, I know what it was. Okay, so um, going back to Aleister Crowley, obviously the, the kind of the father of the demonic opening portals, I guess we'll call it. Uh, I believe it was him and the father of Scientology. I always forget his name. Um, I forgot his name. They were working together, doing some things later in uh, Aleister's life, and they opened. A, pardon me, L. Ron Hubbard. Yes, yes. And so the magic Alistair Crowley's talking about, like you said, with a K, that magic is thou shall do what thou wants or wilt, I guess, is she'll be yeah. the whole of the law or something like that. Right. And it was basically sin all you want, live it up. You know, you only live once, so to speak here, just, just right. enjoy it. Um, and so that was kind of what his mantra was, right? Just, just do that. And he taught that. And now right. you got all these rock stars and rappers and all that, that you see it on their shirts, on their memorabilia. <clears throat> on their um i've seen it in slogans like jay-z is a big proponent of that yeah. jay-z has one on his label on the label right. of his clothes he'll have a quote by alistair crowley but you know his wife claims that when she gets on stage she gets possessed by a demon that that demon does things she would never do and that that demon performs in place of her sasha fierce i believe is what sasha she calls fierce. it yeah. And people hear that and they're like, oh, no, that's just a joke. Mm -mm. Yeah, I think that's real. Well, if you watch slow motion videos of Beyonce on stage, you definitely see some manifestation going on. There is some weird stuff when she's on there. And they said yeah, before, she, yeah, when she, was a, when she was young, she's a very shy person. I guess even in real life, she was very shy. But yet she gets on stage and this entity takes over and she does all these, you know sexual and vulgar things on stage that she says, oh, I could never do that in my private life. But yet in front of millions of people, you will. There's a lot of people now, like if you watch YouTube and I don't remember, honey, ask Lavina, who's the artist that caused somebody to get possessed on stage? Because it was famous. It, it actually made a video and you can look it up. And there's an artist that claims that he did something on stage and caused one of the concert goers to get possessed. And you can watch. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. You can watch uh, both of the manifest. Was that, was, was that the concert that was in Houston? There, there's two concerts that were just recent within the last year. And one of them was in Houston. And that one was the whole crowd started having oh. weird things happen to it. I forgot. Yes, that, um, Kylie Jenner's boyfriend. Yes, that guy. I can't remember. Trevor his name. or Travis. Travis. Yes. That's yeah. him. Yep. I've seen things manifest on stage with um, Katy Perry and Lady okay. Gaga. And then more recently, um, there's a, an exorcist named Father Real. He's the exorcist of oh, what's Nashville, Tennessee. And he told everybody, 
not to go see uh, Taylor Swift. Yes, I was just going to see that. She's doing <laughs> up on stage. It's causing people to get possessed when they go home. Yep. You she, were about to say it, and the chat just said it. GPAT1 just so, said, what about Taylor Swift? Yeah. Yes, so what, what I just came to in the last couple of weeks is that she is some sort of witch. She's a high-level witch, and she is being used right now in a huge way for the dark side. So the, the guy that caused somebody to get possessed was a little Uzi. Hmm. Never hmm. heard of that. I have Interesting. So, Zach, okay, this is a good, good segue then. Last time you were on, we talked about um, you were you were the guy that was basically going around and signing all these rock bands in, uh, yeah. what was it, the 80s, I believe? 80s and early 90s? 87. And, okay. And now, you know, you hear all these tales of, oh, they're signing in blood and they're, they're handing themselves over to the devil. They're selling their souls. And there's some good... Uh, documentaries I've watched. Um, one of them's a, now he's a pastor. He was a former, he was, a, I think he was in a rock band at one point. I forgot the name of the band, but um, he did a whole series on They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. I thought a very good do uh, documentary. But you were actually living it. You were going, they were sending right. me out, and you would sign these bands. Can you kind of just like walk us through that and what that looked like? Uh, it's, it's called, it has a name. It's called The Warehouse Deal. When you had to go out and do warehouse deals, you were helping make rock stars. So I show up, I'm wearing a certain costume. You know, if you go to YouTube and look up pink like a pill, like a pill, she has a high wizard in her video four times. There's also a picture of her on the red carpet standing next to a high wizard. So apparently it's somebody she really knows. The third and fourth time the High Wizard shows up in the video, he's in the middle of a magic spell. So, warehouse deal. They're told by their record producer, director, um, regular producer, agent. Somebody tells them, if you want to be famous, this is what you got to do. And you got to be willing to do anything. Most people are not prepared for what anything is. So, and these happen in Hollywood or LA. I show up, I've got an entourage with me. We show up in a couple of limos. And I show up in my costume. And I walk in. Some people show up and they're a band. And they've got all their equipment set up. I don't need to hear you play, you know, and, or a single, you know, single, somebody wants to be a rock star. Now we use the term rock star interchangeable. If you want to be a country music star, or if you want to be an opera star, you know, if you want to, whatever you want to do, you want to be a rock star. So I walk through. Now, some people have a lot of demons with them and I will instantly go up to them because I know they're prepared on some level. I go through a room and I start asking, who wants to be famous? Everybody usually raises their hand. Everybody says at first they want to be famous. 
what are you willing to do to be famous? Most people, again, will say anything. No matter what you ask me to do, I'll do it. What do you mean by anything? And this is where people draw the line in the sand. They'll say, well, nothing with children. Nothing with children or animals. So my entourage will talk to them. And they take their name off the list. They put an X by it. And they tell them to come back in six months. Try again. We're not interested. But Satan doesn't want the person that draws a line in the sand. He wants the person that's willing to jump in the mud and be drugged through it. So I'll go up to somebody else. Now, these are girls and boys. And this could be any age. You could be 12 years old and be asked these questions. You know, you could be nine or seven. Satan doesn't care. So what are you willing to do? And I get all the way through the thing I'm hearing, nothing with animals, nothing with children. There's been a day where I walked through and nobody, nobody went to the second tier to become a rock star. You know, so... I'm asking, and I'm asking everybody who wants to be famous, everybody raises their hand. What are you willing to do to be famous? Some people right off the bat, nothing with animals and children. So automatically they come over, get their name X'd off the, the list. Now, if you come up, say three months from now and say, I know you said six months, but I'm willing to answer however, now you're banned for another six months because you don't know how to follow directions. <laughs> but if you come in a year after you've been banned twice and you say anything, then we'll keep playing the game. So I'm going through the list. I find a guy, and I love this story because this guy will do anything. He doesn't care what it is. And I said, well, name anything. Give me an example of what anything means to you. He said, if you put me in a room with a horse and a three-year-old girl, I'm having sex with at least one of them. You're our boy. And I give him what's called a tier two card. It's a white business card with a phone number on it. I say, you call this number meet them it's usually at a hotel in la meet them at that hotel and do whatever they say to do and within six months i'll see you on mtv now while we were standing there he demonstrated that he could not sing he does not have the voice for singing he cannot dance he cannot write poetry. He cannot write a song. He cannot. There was a, a book there by Dr. Seuss. And I said, read me that. And just before it would rhyme, he closed it and put it down and said, I don't get it. And I said, you're going to be famous. I have no doubt. So he leaves. Now that day I helped a few people, give a few people that card. 
but it was within 90 days I saw him on MTV singing and dancing in one of the most popular boy bands of the 1990s. Oh no, who is it? <laughs> My attorney said I'm not allowed to say. Yeah. No. Gosh, that brings up another I wanted to ask you this. I'm glad you brought that up about not being able to write or dance, sing any of that stuff, because I can't tell you how many interviews I've watched of famous musicians. And it doesn't matter if it's a rap artist, rock artist, whatever. And I, I've heard the same phrase over and over again, that it just came to me. The melody came, the lyrics came. It, it was, I knew it was an instant hit. I knew it was going to be this, like I knew it was something special. And you know, some you can attribute maybe a couple of that to a couple of things. Like maybe, okay, yeah, it was, you know, I was laying in bed and I was thinking about something and all of a sudden I had this idea and my imagination started flowing. But the more you hear that same thing over and over again, you're like, where is it coming from? Where is the information coming there from? There was a uh, I heard an interview with Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. And they both conferred that Stairway to Heaven, which live is like a 14-minute song. Even the, the studio version is eight minutes. They wrote it, lyrics and music, in 10 minutes. Yep, I heard that too. But Jimmy Page owns an occultic bookstore in London called Equinox. And Jimmy Page also... If you look at the DVD where the song remains the same, he's doing a magic spell on stage. Hmm. And didn't he used to live in Alistair Crowley's mansion? Crowley's house, yes. Yeah, yeah. So there's that, I guess. Yeah, you know, I heard the same thing. They have, they still, to this day, they ask Robert Plant, where did the lyrics come from for Stairway to Heaven and what do they mean? He's like, I don't know. He literally has no answer. He's like, I, I don't know. They just came. It was, it, I knew it was something special and beautiful. And I penned it down while the guys were playing in the other room. And like you said, it was like in 10 minutes, the whole thing was pretty much arranged, ready to go. And it's become this, you know, rock staple, right? This classic song that plays forever and ever and ever. And, and, you know, a lot of people are sick of hearing it. I know there's jokes about it. Don't go into a guitar store and play Stairway to Heaven or they'll kick you out, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. But, but it's so... You have to start looking at these classic songs and say, and lend, listen to the artist, what they actually say about them. And you're like, oh my gosh, they all say it just came out of nowhere. Michael right. Jackson used to, you know, he would get, uh, take all those sleeping pills because he said while he was sleeping, he would get all of his hits given to him. You know, I don't know how many songs he got that way. So I, I don't know. I don't think there's a coincidence that that's going on. And then there's people that don't believe that. They, they don't believe. I mean, there's a there's a quote from Jimi Hendrix where he said the reason he takes all the drugs and alcohol that he does is to shut up the voices in his head. That the voices in his head wrote all of his songs. I believe his girlfriend at the time, just before he died, he kept begging her to get her grandmother over to talk to him because she was a Christian. And he mm -hmm. says, I can't get rid of these voices. They keep telling me to, you know, do this and do that. And he says, I need to talk to your grandmother. And she thought he was just, you know, high or whatever. And she never 
followed through apparently. And then obviously he OD'd. But yeah, I, it's it's nothing to play with, that's for sure. It, let me ask you one more thing. And then Sylvia, you got to get in here. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't want to hog the microphone. But one more quick thing. No, Do you it. have to sell your soul to be famous? What happens beyond me, but beyond what I did? Um, you would call the 800 number on this card. Uh, they would give you an address. You go there. It's, it looks like a high-end hotel. You go into the front desk. There might be somebody waiting. There might not be. But there's always somebody behind the desk. Kind of reminds me of the song Hotel California. Um, you go in, and they tell you what room is yours. And they hand you a key card. The directions are that you go into the room, you open the door, you walk in, and there's a very expensive white table right in front of you. And it has a, um, a glass container. There's a bunch of white cards in it. Now you're on camera when you walk in this room and you're already told that. Down at the desk, they tell you that still photos and video is being taken of you when you enter the room. So you, you can make up your mind. You don't have to go in there. But if you don't go in, you're never going to be arrested. And once you walk in, you dig your hand in there. There's a bunch of cards. None of them are face up. You have to determine which one you're going to take. You choose one, you pull it out, see what it says, and you hold it up to the camera that's above the door. And so they can see what you're looking at. And you can either do that card or you can do the second card. Now, if you decide not to do either one, you got to walk out the door and you don't get to come back for a year. And you get to stew on this decision for a year that you could have done one of these two things, but you didn't. And now you're not famous. You're not a rock star. If you can swallow this, whatever it is, you can become a rock star. And whatever it is you're asked to do, it's going to be in one of the rooms of the suite you're in. And there might be a horse in there, might be a three-year-old girl. There might be a room of children. You've just got to make up your mind what you're willing to do. Now, where is your thinking? That's gross. I would never do that. How many rock stars are there? A lot. And those are the rock stars for you to turn on the radio and hear a different song or what all day long so i have a question about that so if because i've always said like okay so i'm 40 now and i swear i hear the same songs over and over and over and over and it's the same small group of people it seems like so that that group of people the most famous so-called rock stars pop stars whatever they are does that mean that the level of their so-called success equates to the amount of bad things they've done? 
No, generally, um, it's like if you're talking about like a top 40 station, they are paid to play certain bands and they're paid to play them a certain number of times within a shift, within an hour, within 24 hours. You know, that, that's how they make all their money. That and ads, selling ads. Um, but everybody, if you're a rock star, you did something in that hotel. Mm-hmm. You know, don't think that Taylor Swift didn't know what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she did it when she was young. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you hear about a rock star that wrapped their tree, their, their Porsche around a tree or that hung themselves in the kitchen or has been in counseling for the last 10, 20 years. You know, and you're thinking, why, is, why are they an alcoholic? Why are they still addicted to drugs? What's going on? They're, they're worth all this money. Have 12 mansions around the world, have a different girlfriend every night. Well, because it takes an awful lot of everything to forget how you got there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that at the time they wanted to be a rock star, sleeping with a three year old didn't seem that far fetched. Now that their little brother is three years old or the little sister, or they have to go to their three-year-old sister's birthday party with all the other three-year-olds, now suddenly they feel guilty. Mm. Yeah. You know, the Taylor Swift thing, they propped her up to be this Christian when she first came out. She was all wholesome, the girl next door, oh, right? Yeah, but she, right. Went, she went the same route as Britney Spears and Miley Cyrus. That's right. Yeah. And I told people when she was young, I was like, don't fall for this goody-goody thing. She's going to follow the same route as Britney Spears and Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. She's going to be just as bad, if not worse. And nobody believed me, but she was such a goody-goody at the time. GPAT1 in the chat asked, is Anton LaVey Taylor Swift's father? Ooh, I never heard that one. Now, the biggest thing that I've, I've heard that actually seems plausible is um, Aleister Crowley was Barbara Bush's dad. I've heard that. And they do well, look, look a lot of like Yeah, look at them side by they side. Did. They yes. look related. Yeah. Which is not a very good compliment to Barbara. No, <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, not really. Uh, one more thing from G Patch said is Taylor Swift a dude. <laughs> I don't I don't think she's a man. I don't see that. So, a lot she's of people. She's dated too many guys. And I would have thought would have told on her by now if that were true. Mm-hmm. I think she admits she's a witch. She admits she does magic. Mm-hmm. And her boyfriend admitted that she does magic, she, that she's a witch, and that she does magic spells for his football team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same as Giselle with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, Giselle yeah. was definitely in the witch guy. She was bragging about it. And Tom would always brag about it too. Like, oh yeah, she she's in you know, what incantation, she'll do one before I go out and play and invoke some things and it's like, What? Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> It worked. But he, but he got six Super Bowls and he was in eight of them, so I, apparently that works. One one more thing. Sorry, Sylvia. This is the last one, I promise. Okay, last one. Because <laughs> last time you were you were here, because I don't want to like I want to stay on the subject and then go into where Sylvia is going. Um, so last time you were here, I think you said only two bands that you confronted with signing in blood did not sign, if I'm correct. And I, I think it was you 2 and Metallica. Is that correct? There was um, every 90 days they knew where we were going to be for the next 90 days. And we would be given a list of bands that are going to be where we're going to be. And they would, there were certain bands that were going to be where I was going to be, but I couldn't go backstage. I couldn't get in there free. I would have to pay. U2 was one. Metallica was another. Bruce Springsteen was another. And Pink Floyd was another. But all these bands were famous before I was Eye Wizard. So then they they obviously were in the system too then, just prior to you. Well, they could have signed with somebody else, but even if they had signed, I would get to get in to see them free. Hmm. And as far as I know, they didn't sign. Hmm. It's so, odd to me because, I mean, you're not famous unless you sign. That's Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If, if, like, how then did they climb that ladder relatively quickly all of them i mean metallica burst on the scene within four or five years u2 was the same uh the boss i mean he was right out of the gate pretty much so i wonder what they did to achieve that or was it just raw talent and they got found by some wholesome record company <laughs> i mean it sounds that's an oxymoron wholesome record oh, company but Pink floyd got famous in the 60s mm-hmm and they were just different than everybody else. And they put on a, it's, it's like they were originally called the Pink Floyd Experience. And if you've ever gone to one of their shows, it is an experience. I mean, it's not just music playing, it's spotlights and laser lights and smoke, smoke, mirrors, airplanes. Drugs. Um, Drugs, alcohol, flying, <laughs> flying pigs, and lasers that rise up out of the stage and are only used for one song, and then they lower it back down into the stage. It, it's a fun show. Okay, Sylvia, I see you chomping at the bit. I know. Go ahead, <laughs> lay it on them. <laughs> Well, I just want to get to the nitty gritty, okay? So before we started uh, the show, um, I was telling you the reason that Rescue the Fosters was founded. And I just want to reiterate why Rescue the Fosters was founded because sometimes I feel like people forget why it was started. Um, and the reason it was started was because Danielle's son was kidnapped through um, child protective services and uh, she hasn't seen him in six years and I was hoping you could shed some light 
on or if you like and we were getting into it but I wanted to hear it on here before uh, we started the show yeah like how trafficking happens through the you know the in the background through the occult stuff well the the case that I just got got it and it resolved all within like two weeks um this woman called me it's about three weeks ago and they were pretty distraught when i got the call and the woman that they were just they didn't know this was coming just got a knock at the door and dhs was there and they had accusations against the dad that the dad had been at the very least molesting the girls and at the most he might be raping them now the girls are not they seem fine they don't seem like this has ever taken place and they didn't have any paperwork with them nothing about here we have complaints right here no complaints no proof no accusations and no paperwork from DHS. Now the girls in question, it was two girls. I don't know if they're twins. They might be a couple of years apart. They're blonde. I think they're blue eyed and they're very, very pretty. And the two women came in, took custody of the two girls, put them in their car, gave them their business cards and drove away. So they were asking me what to do. And I said, stick to the prayers that you know. Pray rosaries, Hail Marys, um, St. Michael prayers. You know, and then give me a call in like a couple of weeks and tell me what's going on. In two weeks, they called me and told me that they were able to get the girls back. But what happened in that two weeks though, is that the day that they went missing, they found the women that came over to claim them were in a witch's coven. And they were blatantly in the witch's coven. They were on a website, and it was the two women that came over dressed in white witch's costumes, complete with a pointed hat, and claiming to be witches. And then it was about two weeks later, the woman had gotten their names, put in this piece of paper, some document that they came over, didn't present them with any proof of anything, didn't give them any paperwork. And these two women are also in this witch's coven. And they submitted it, they had an attorney submit it. And whoever had the kids released them. Apparently, the paperwork that was submitted in the court or whatever for the kids was fraudulent. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that in the two weeks that the little girls were missing, they were molested. They were sexually molested the whole two weeks. They were being abused. 
So I think charges are being brought against the witches now. And I don't know what's happening from that now. It's been a week ago that I heard that. But I was just so appalled that, I mean, not only did they have, were they brazen enough to just walk in and take them, mm -hmm. but they started abusing them right away. Mm -hmm. Didn't even wait. They just like, you're here with us now. We're going to do what we want. Yeah, they're so they're so blatant. Um, Danielle, I don't I don't know if you want to tell them a little bit about the beginning of when your son was taken, but he was taken from the hospital. Well, uh, yeah, I actually I was just thinking. Are you thinking about before the hospital? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so before my son was kidnapped, I was in labor. He was kidnapped right at exactly to the minute, 33 hours old. So that says a lot in itself. But um, before that, I was actually in a state park in a national forest, and I was surrounded by a bunch of people I didn't know, and most of them were females. And one of the main ones was a witch and they surrounded me and I believe that they were going to probably sacrifice me right then and there on the spot. But I managed to get away, get to the hospital, had my child, and then he was kidnapped the next day at 33 hours old. And that woman, that witch, um, she actually barged into the hospital when I was in labor and against my wishes, I didn't even know her, but she followed us to the hospital and then barged her way in and we had to ask her to leave. And, and we asked security to have her leave, but nobody was listening to us because she was a witch. And um, yeah, it's, it, it's a little bit deeper than that, but I went through this whole entire thing where I was assaulted in the woods, surrounded by these people. Um, they were government vehicles that surrounded when the ambulance came in. It, it was this huge scene. And I was just trying to have my baby and get away from everybody. And I couldn't get away from them. And so when I went to the hospital and they all came in, they ended up kidnapping him. We went through the whole court process. Um, nothing about the whole thing made sense it was all fraudulent from day one they accused us of being two other individuals so it was like a mistaken identity thing but it wasn't a mistake because they knew what they were doing but they slapped two other names on myself and my son's father um and then they actually said it on the paperwork of the court that my son didn't have any parents so that was a lie and then they ended up terminating our rights a year later uh, on the basis of abandonment, saying that we abandoned our child to go along with the original paperwork that said he didn't have any parents. So that's kind of how they did that whole thing. And then all of a sudden they got a protective order against us so we couldn't go near him. But along the way, it was nothing but witches. So I know it's a witch coven behind the whole entire thing because every single one of the people involved in all the different areas of the whole thing were all connected to each other. No matter where they were, they were all connected to each other. And it included foster parents, uh, therapists, social workers, attorneys, judges. They were all connected to each other and all orchestrating the kidnapping of my child. Well, since they're not playing fair with you, remember we're supposed to be as uh, crafty as serpents, but innocent as doves. Mm -hmm. You need to not play fair with them. Right. <laughs>
right. What's that? Oh, my wife wants to know where your son is now. I don't know. I do not know. Um, this was, this happened actually 2016. Um, I was seeing him for a year and then they shut off everything. And then we were running around. We filed charges with the FBI, Department of Justice, local police departments. I mean, we were, we were being chased all over the country at some point. And then I would, I went to DC for several months. I knocked on doors of the congressmen and senators. I went to the FBI and DOJ there. Um, I literally have been all over this country. And um, like I said, it was 2016, 2017 was the last time I saw him. Um, and then a few years into it, after receiving no help from anyone, everybody running us off, I fell into a very bad depression. So I actually became a hermit for a little while. Um, and then I just started coming back out um, probably a couple years ago. And then um, I'm full force coming out publicly now. So it's been a process. But I have no idea where he is. Um, they, they kidnapped him in Alabama. That's the last I saw him. It was Aniston, Alabama. Uh, this was also something that we just discovered as well. The hospital that he was taken from was Regional Medical Center, and mm -hmm. it's a nonprofit. And we, yeah. uh, a lot of people don't realize this, and we didn't even realize that the hospitals are nonprofits, just like um, CPS and DHS is also a nonprofit, and people don't realize that too. So I don't know, yeah. do you... Um, do you have any thoughts or ideas about the nonprofits and hospitals and um, everything that kind of went on in uh, Danielle's case? The, um, do you have any idea why they targeted your son? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> that's a deep question. Uh, where do I go with that one? Um, <laughs> you're muted or something, Gino. Sorry. Start with the bloodline. Yeah. Well, that's basically everything. So, um, it's bloodline wars and, um, somebody did my, my family tree or something right after the kidnapping. They said, Hey, I think it's important for you to know your background and your history and lineage because, um, this is probably why you were targeted. So she started my family tree and apparently it went up to the Merovingian Kings and then it goes up further, um, came from France and then has something to do with Mary Magdalene. So that's all I know. Um, and so I think part of it's a bloodline thing. The other part, um, my son's father, his family is very corrupt as well. So that's kind of like a different bloodline and so there was always some sort of like war taking place between my bloodline and his bloodline and his family. Um, his lineage hated my lineage and my lineage hated his lineage. So um, it was a battle and his grandfather worked for Jimmy Carter and Gerald Ford in the White House. And there was some sort of trust left to my son's father when he was a baby and he was kidnapped from his mother to have control over him over this trust. 
he never received the trust because it's been hidden in the family and they've been using it to do other things such as Vanguard voice systems um, and other big companies that have turned into huge things. So um, it, it's multiple things, but it's a bloodline thing as well as my son's father's family being corrupt and whatever they're involved in led into this somehow. Um, St. Mary Magdalene is not French. She lived there for the last 30 years of her life, but she moved right. to Jerusalem. She's right. Mm -hmm. And she didn't have any children. Mm -hmm. Body beyond her. I don't know. I'm just telling you what I was told. <laughs> I know, like, uh, the Da Vinci Code, the whole theory is that, you know, Jesus and Mary Magdalene were a thing, which we know is heretical and absolutely appalling that they even bring that up. But that's what they believe. And they believe there's power in that bloodline. And we've also oh, met another they... person that has a similar story as Danielle's with similar bloodlines. So it's, it's I don't think it's coincidence uh, that they're, they're, they think they're choosing this pure bloodline or something to uh, gain power then they're probably worshiping Mary Magdalene, not St. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. St. Mary Magdalene says she's a saint. You know, she was forgiven by Jesus. Um, there's a witch's coven, a satanic witch's coven, in St. Maximum de St. Balm, France. It's a very small town. Not even a traffic light there. There might be a stop sign. And the Basilica of St. Mary Magdalene is there. And they have to be chased out by the priest every once in a while because they worship Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, in that church. And they do sacrifices sometimes inside or outside the Basilica. So... Do they, they do go after bloodlines, right, then? Yes, but it's possible that witchcraft coven is connected to Got Your Son. What's the name of that witch coven? I don't know. I, I know that they have, that they worship Mary Magdalene, the prostitute. And I know that one of them was going through an exorcism when I was there. I was there in 2014. Um, Danielle, also, uh, your son, it was an on-call birth. Would that mean anything? Um, have you ever heard? Did I say that right, Danielle? In-call. In In-call. Um, mm -hmm. He was completely ever... born in the sack, like engulfed in the sack. And there's some sort of historical thing that said something like one in every 80,000 births that happens. And then everything in, in history um, all the rulers, kings, queens, leaders, blah, 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 a lot of them were born and called. So they do something where they're able to predict some sort of gifts that the child's going to have. And, and they wait for that to see if it's going to happen to come in and take that child. And it happened. Like, as soon as I gave birth, my water wasn't breaking. He was born in the sack. And I looked up because I was too busy focused on pushing for two and a half hours I looked up and all of a sudden there was like 25 people in my hospital room witnessing the birth 
And I didn't know where any of these people came from. So it was like they were expecting that to happen. They were waiting and because he would, their doctor refused to um, break my water. I kept asking, can we like hurry up and get this done? I was like in labor for many hours, like 14 hours. But he refused to break the water, which was weird. And then they had me pushing and pushing and pushing. And then he was born. When he came out, the doctor was holding him up and he was completely in the sack. 100% and then the doctor had to burst the bubble literally so um the whole like all the staff and whoever else were in the room like witnessing this and then somebody many people have told me that that is something that if if they're like waiting for that they target the bloodlines that have that a lot of times for some reason and I would say that you probably were targeted by somebody that's worshiping a cross between that satanic coven mm -hmm. and the Right. So what's the difference? Uh, the Illuminati is their own separate um, satanic cult. And <laughs> if, if you've heard that the Illuminati is who pulls the levers and pushes the buttons behind every political decision, he would be correct. And they also make rock stars. And they help actors become more famous. And being, have been, I had been a high wizard for 12 years. I worked directly with the Illuminati. Hmm. So like their colors literally are black and white. Um, you know, if you see a, a, a rock video that has black and white tops and yep. they're just identifying that they're Illuminati. Right. You know, they also do a lot of things with black and red. I mean, that's Illuminati colors and Satan's colors. <laughs> so, I don't know if you noticed, but our, our current president seems to be tied in with the devil. Sure does. So, Zachary, do... You said that they actually approached you or you, you worked alongside them. Now, is there ever like this, like, I don't know, I guess in the satanic realm, is there division? Is there like rankings that people are like, hey, you stay where you should be. We're above you. Um, or is this like competition or do they work side by side to bring deception? Um, how, how does that work? We worked practically hand in hand with them, but they weren't, we didn't see them as really below us or beneath us. They were just kind of an equal coven that we did work with. You know, like when I get a rock star, when I make a rock star, they have to agree to sell their soul to the Illuminati. Mm -hmm. And the Illuminati tells you, you're selling it to us, but you are also selling it to Satan. But you are out, out front selling it. There's a, um, a video of Lady Gaga saying that she was performing one night in a strip club. Now, not as a stripper, but, you know, during her, her act. And at the end of the show, she exited through the back door. And this guy was out there waiting for her. And he told her, if you sign a contract with me, I can make you a rock superstar. And she said, what do I have to do? And he says, you have to agree to sell your soul the Illuminati. 
And she thought, what have I got to lose? I'm not famous now. I'm a nobody now. I'll sell my soul to the Illuminati. So she did. And whatever her name was, whatever her name was at that time, nobody had ever heard of her. Now she's Lady Gaga. Yeah. And the whole she, was, she was struggling. She was going bar to bar, trying to make a living, trying to eat. And then, yeah, all of a sudden, this this chance meeting with this guy. And I think she said he was in a trench coat or something, too, in the back and had on, yeah. you know, the typical, like like uh, with the crossroads, right? Uh, when I forgot the famous, right. uh, you know, he, he goes, he can't play guitar. He's, you know, 14 years old or something playing in bars. And they're like, you're terrible, kid. Give it up. You'll never be a, you know. Uh, a blues singer and guitarist or whatever and all of a sudden he goes he sees you know whoever it is at the crossroads and says hey you want to be famous want to learn how to play guitar next thing you know he comes back and they're blown away all these guys in their 40s and 50s playing in bars like how did you learn how to play like that where are you getting that from and i've heard other guitarists say the same thing they like something is playing through them it's not actually them playing there's a fairly entertaining movie called the crossroads with Ralph Macchio, where he wants to be a famous blues guitarist. And he meets the guy that did that deal. And so he cloaks him up, breaks him out of a, a hospital, and they run away and they finally get to those crossroads. And the devil has his own guitarist. And this guy wants to buy his way out of his contract. And Ralph Macchio wants to be, you know, the famous blues guitarist. So he has to do battle against Steve Vai, because Steve Vai is the devil's guitarist. And if you've listened to the world's greatest guitarists, they will all tell you that Steve Vai is the guy to beat. Yeah, he is the greatest guitar player in the world. That's for sure. You know, with the Lady Gaga thing, and I, I wanted to ask you this too, Zach. Did, did you ever meet Marina Abramovich? No. Okay. I know who she is. I know what mm -hmm. she does, but I've never met her. There, there's a video, and I know most of this audience has seen it, um, where Lady Gaga is basically being groomed by Marina, and they're out in the woods and they're doing all the stuff. And I got to tell you, I watched that video one time, and I have never felt sicker in all my life. I my the music, whatever the frequency that was being played. Uh, some kind of satanic thing is going on. I felt so spiritually sick after I watched that video for about four or five minutes. I had to turn it off and I had to pray and, and rebuke it and get rid of this thing because I was feeling so upset, like disgusting. Like I literally felt like Robert Johnson. Thank you, Joyful June. That's who I was trying to think of. Um, I, felt, I literally felt sick. And I was like, man, is it the, it must have been the, like the frequency that was coming out of the speakers on my computer. Um, is, did you guys, I was going to ask you, did, have you ever used like frequencies and sounds and things like that yes. to for your there's spells a, and curses? There's a guy named, I think it's Kenneth Anger. And Kenneth Anger used to do a lot of work with chaos music. And chaos is what he says Satan likes to play. And if you listen to it, it'll make you physically ill. So we would play things on frequencies that where I couldn't hear it, but you can feel it. So what kind of symptoms would you get 
when you get physically sick? Um, you start getting a headache. Headache is usually first. Uh, your vision gets blurred. You feel sick to your stomach. Um, even if you haven't eaten, you think that you might throw up. Uh, your fever goes up. You know, you'll might start sweating. And you just feel like something's wrong, but you can't put your finger on it. And then if you can get away from the sound, then suddenly you feel fine. Gosh, you hit, you just described it to a T. That was exactly what I felt. And it, and it is almost like this foreboding feeling of evil. Like this, like almost something like bad, really bad could happen at any moment. You just, I don't even know. I've never experienced anything like that other than when I was watching that that video. And I did, we, we were doing a show, this is a while back, and there was a particular person in the audience who was not happy with what we were talking about. And we have a feeling he was some kind of wizard, warlock, something. And was I was feeling- my own personal stalker. Yeah, I was feeling very sick during that show too, all of a sudden. A very heavy weight. Yeah, Danielle does have a stalker. What's, what's insane about the woman, not Lady Gaga, the other one, is that the Ukraine put her in charge of children. Sick. Absolutely you know, it's like, disgusting. probably wants to sacrifice children. Like, why would you put her in, in, it's like children and education or something like that. Like, it's the last thing she wants to do. You know, she probably wants to sacrifice one and eat them. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, is how Aleister Crowley got kicked out of a country. He introduced people at a dinner, you know, all his dinner guests, he introduced them to a seven-year-old boy. Then he raped the boy in front of them all and then murdered him and then cooked him and served him to the guests. And then he got caught for that. They arrested him and then realized that that crime is so heinous, there's nothing in their books that say you can't do it. Wow. So they kicked him out of the country. And these people just sat there and watched. That's what's crazy to me. Like, yeah, participate. Right. They right. Sick. Well, that used to be a common story. Like everybody that knew Alistair Crowley knew that story. Now, if you search online for it, it's not there. So I have a question because I've been really confused by the Illuminati, Freemason, and all the different terms. So Illuminati, Freemason, they're separate, correct? Freemasons are older. The Illuminati took their power structure from the Freemasons. Okay, the so Freemasons is rumored to have started in the time of the Old Testament, and the Illuminati started about 300 years ago. Okay. So they're basically the same. It just went from Freemason in, to Illuminati. In, in certain ways, yes. Like when I went to Bohemian Grove, I was told that everything at the Grove is under the control of the Illuminati, except security. That security in the parking lot is controlled by the Freemasons. Hmm. Did I did I mention 
on the last show that every president except one. Now this is remember that I left in '99, so up until 1999, every president except one had been put there by the Illuminati. Yes, I think you did bring that up, and I'm glad you brought that up because I definitely wanted to hit upon the presidents and Bohemian Grove. Like I think those kind of go hand in hand, and I believe is it Richard Nixon that refused or was he there and he was disgusted by something he was there and he was disgusted by the homosexuality okay you can look up the the video or the audio of him saying that is on youtube (laughs) he's not very polite about what he says (laughs) if if you're listening to that and you don't want to be offended don't listen right yeah i don't think nixon was very uh he didn't he wasn't shy. We'll put it that way. I guess when it came to right, speaking right. his mind. All right. right well, let's um, so let's uh, let's stick to the presidents real quick, so we don't lose this because I think this is important. Like, are they in? Basically, they're they're propping up people and saying, "Here, this is what you get to choose from." But they're all bought and paid for by us, and they're all under our you know spell, so to speak. Now, would there was a question in the chat from Tam Grell, our good friend Tam Grell, is Donald Trump an Illuminati member? I don't think so because in 2015 or 16, he said in an interview that Hillary works for the Illuminati. And I think he was denying that he does. Mm. And I I think Hillary was supposed to win, Mm -hmm. but it was the Jubilee year of divine mercy. And our country was shown divine mercy by Trump being elected. Right. So all the presidents, is that is that what we're saying? Like presidents are basically all these people they're putting before the public. They've been bought and paid for by Illuminati, and these are your choices. And then if there's even a real election, like we, we know the last one was, was not real. Uh, right. It's probably three or four for sure, but I'm, I'm sure this has been going on forever. Um, is that basically what you're saying? Like they're just giving you people to choose from? Well, I know at one point, there was did I mention the one guy that wasn't put there by the Illuminati? Because I was told that every president from Washington till 1999 was put there by the Illuminati except one. Uh, who who is the one? Well, I usually give you guys the option to guess. I'm guessing it's Trump. No, till 99. No, no. till 99. Yeah. Right. I think we did. I think we did say this, and it was someone I would have never guessed. I thought because I, I think I guessed Abraham Lincoln, and I was wrong. I don't remember. I don't remember. This is probably not true, but Jimmy Carter. It was Jimmy Carter? Because oh, wow. really? Thought, oh, man. They thought what? nobody is dumb enough to vote <laughs> for the redneck peanut farmer. Oh my gosh! So they didn't push their guy, and then he won. And they realize that the country is dumb enough to vote for this redneck peanut farmer. So at the next election, they pushed the heck out of their clan. And he won like every state but one. I saw Ronald Reagan at the Grove in 1987. And he was the most uncomfortable man there. You know, like he did not want to be there. And he wished he could leave. I walked up to him. I was excited because 
I voted for Reagan. And I walked up and offered my hand. And he reached out like he was going to shake my hand. And then he saw that all my nails were painted black. It, it matched everything else I was wearing. So he saw my nails and stopped. And then he traced the arm up. I'm wearing an 18th century tuxedo. He traced that up all the way up to my face. So I've got corpse paint on my face and a top hat. And I'm leaning on my cane. And he pulled his hand back and then started leaning back. You know, I was like, it's all right, I'll walk away. So Reagan wouldn't shake my hand. I saw Clinton there in 92. I saw Barack Obama there in 94. No one had heard of him by then. He was walking with George Soros. And I, I knew George Soros because he used to talk to me every time I was there. And I was walking through a field and they were pointing out people that wanted my services. And if you walk up to me and don't have an appointment to see me or haven't cleared it with somebody else, you're gonna either be tackled or tasered to the ground. You have to get somebody's permission to be with you. So I'm watching these two guys on an intersect course. Soros I know, but I don't know the other guy. So if he gets too close, I'm gonna see this guy get tasered to the ground, which I'm fine with. That's entertainment for me. So, but they stop me and say, that guy over there wants to book your services. There's four guys over there, which one? The guy in jeans, they're all in jeans. The guy wearing the white shirt, there's three of them in white shirts. The guy wearing tennis shoes, there's two of them in tennis shoes. The ball guy, there's only one that's ball. You could have just said the ball guy to begin with. However, since we stopped to have that little conversation, these two guys just walked right past. And I was like, well, there's still time for somebody to get tasered. And the guy that was leading our tour said, that guy's gonna be president one day. And I look and I thought, nobody voted for Jesse Jackson. Why would they vote for him? But he got elected to two terms. That was Barack Obama. I've also saw both Bushes. Never saw Trump. Never saw Trump at any event I was at. That's good news. Yep. <laughs> we'll take well, we'll take a <laughs> we'll take a win. <laughs> you know, okay, with the Bushes, was Jeb Bush ever there? No, I wouldn't have known if, if it was Jeb Bush. I only knew W and the son or the dad, whichever way that goes. What about all the uh, all our favorite people at the WEF World Economic Forum? Was uh, Klaus Schwab there, or any of any of his close friends? Do you recall? I wouldn't have known George Soros if I hadn't been introduced to him. Okay. You know, I, there's, there's quite a few people there and most of them don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and if you're not, it, it, there's also like, I never encountered this until there, where like, you know, when you see somebody on television, no matter how much you see them on television, when you see them in real life, you're not quite sure you're looking at the right person. Mm. You know, like I saw Clinton a lot and I was a fan of Bill Clinton. But when I walked up to him at a barbecue, I wasn't sure I was looking at Bill Clinton. Even when he spoke, I didn't know it was Bill. I didn't know it was Bill until somebody called him by name. And then I was like, it is Bill Clinton. You know, and whereas Reagan was extremely uncomfortable seeing me, Bill Clinton seemed totally at ease. So, and that's pretty much an all men's club, right? I mean, there's no women allowed in that other than if for favors maybe or something like that? Wait staff. Okay. Some of the wait staff are girls. And there's um, a group of people that are called the Lolita Boys. And the Lolita Boys is a totally different story. And I can tell you that story if you want to hear it. Sure. Yeah, I, I think I remember a bit, a little bit about this. Yep. So the Lolita boys come dressed in two different modes of clothes. They're either dressed as scout, Indian scouts. So they're wearing moccasins on their feet, uh, a loincloth on the front, a thong going up between the butt cheeks, um, a vest, um, a Native American necklace, uh, a couple of stripes on their face, and a headband with a feather. Or they're dressed in like shoes you'd wear in a tuxedo, so bright, shiny shoes. Um, again, a loincloth in the front, um, a thong going up the butt cheeks, a vest that's black, what looks like cuff, cuffs and cufflinks, but no shirt to hold the cuffs on. Um, and then a bow tie, a black bow tie. And the first time I saw them, this vehicle shows up and this banner comes out and it says something about the Lolita boys. And okay, I don't know what a Lolita boy is, but okay. So eventually the boys come off this area that they come and they're mingling with everybody. And some of them are carrying trays but when they arrive, they take the lid off and they have a note for somebody and they give that note to somebody there. And these are just, I remember this is like a man only event here. These boys all look like they're about between 10 and 12 years old. And they're showing their butt cheeks. And I'm thinking all these men are pervs because they're wanting to see little 12-year-old boys next to naked. And sometimes the, when they're dressed as the Native American boys, they dance for the men. And, you know, stuff is bouncing, and it's like, okay, I'll look down at the ground. You know, these are not something that I want to see. However, this one little boy came in, 
And this guy asked him, can you adjust my cufflinks down, you know, down at the bottom? And so this boy bends over and starts taking care of his cufflinks, his shoes, ties one of his shoes. And I'm now looking at the 12 year old boy's butt. And I'm thinking that looks like a girl's butt. And this weird idea came to me that this is a girl. So I sent a note to this boy to meet me in my trailer. And I have security that walks with me all the time. So I walk over, they ask, you know, do you want us inside? No, no, I have some questions to ask. You know, I'll be fine. And I'm sure pretty sure they're not gonna shiv me or shoot me. I should be all right. So this little boy shows up, knocks on my door, I bring him inside. And I, I ask, how old are you? And all I got was, he's old enough. So then I ask if he was a girl or a boy. Says he's a boy. We talked for about 20 minutes and it pretty much went nowhere. And so I started, like, I opened up his vest. And I'm looking at a boy's chest. Okay. I turn him around, looking at his butt. Yeah, it could be a girl's or a boy's. Not sure. Then I spun him around. And I lifted up his loincloth. And there's a little pouch down there. So I grabbed the pouch. It's filled with foam. There's not a penis and testicles in there. I'm like, this doesn't feel like it's you. And so I took the, the cloth and pulled everything down. And he has a vagina. And I let it go. And I said, but now that I've seen that, how old are you really? She said she was 19 years old. She said that they give them shots or surgery so that stuff doesn't grow. And so that they look more like boys. What year was this? What year? Yes. This would have been 88 or 89. So that's the transgender stuff since 88. And then I asked, why on earth would you do this? Like when you're servicing these men, what do you do? Since they don't know you have a vagina. Said they do oral and anal. That's all they do. Like that's enough. Why would you possibly do that? Because at this point in the year, it's July. And starting in January, she was doing this stuff. And now that it's July, she's worth $800,000. And she still has five months to go. She's gonna do this until her body says no, and then she'll retire. So these kids, I use that in quotes, were volunteering? They weren't trafficked or taken against their will? They weren't trafficked and they weren't against their will. Hmm. They're, they're legal age women that just are all they look like boys. They just, yeah, they look like boys. Wow. And they claim that they are boys. Hmm. 
So and so the scandal is, one, all these people that are there, a lot of them are having sex with these boys thinking they're having sex with a 12-year-old boy. Now, in reality, they're having sex with a 19-year-old girl, which both is a scandal. Right. So they're having sex with a legal-age girl, which isn't supposed to be there. But also these men, some of them are presidential hopefuls or senators, think they're having sex with young boys. I am going to assume that pictures are taken of all these I guys. I was just gonna just gonna ask you that. Yep, blackmail for sure. Everything else that the Illuminati does, they take pictures of everything. They yeah, take videos of stuff. It's the currency of the elite for sure. If somebody decided I'm gonna reveal this to the world, you know, they're a rock star and this is what I had to do to become a rock star. I'm going to break the scandal wide open. Either they're going to release the video and show what you yourself had to do, or they're going to kill you. Now, we all know uh, Chester Bennington and uh, what Chris, was Cornell. His name? Chris Cornell got suicided out. One of them was on tour and had the next 90 days planned and killed himself in the middle of it. And I think both of them were making a documentary together about children. About, children. about yeah, the traffic children in the music industry. Right. And the pedophile scandal. Okay, so uh, this leads into my question. How does everyone know like when to meet up, like at the Bohemian Grove, like how did everybody know? Because there, this was like before. How do they communicate? Basically, how do they know to meet up at these parties? Invites to Bohemian Grove are mailed out. They're just mailed out. If you're invited, yeah, you get a an invitation in the mail. And it's not like it. I mean, they might do it. I mean, now we have email and stuff, but so I mean, it might be done that way now. But it used to be a postcard in the mail. Okay. And even the postcard in the mail has a picture of cremation of care. And it, it advertises what happens there and asks you if you want to go. So people know before they even get there what's going to happen? A cremation of care is a famous ceremony. Uh, they take a... Um, a set of clothes, like a shirt and pants and shoes, and they stuff it with twigs and branches and leaves. And then it either gets lit on fire on the altar or it gets thrown into a bonfire. And it's supposed to end the bad luck that has happened to you up till now. I used to compare it to um, I don't know if anybody on the show bowls, but before bowling was done electronically and you had the piece of paper and the pencil, superstitious bowlers would say, build me a wall. And so you take the pencil and darken in one of the squares. And it means that no bad luck happens beyond this point. Usually it doesn't work. If you were bowling a bad game up until then, 
you're going to continue bowling a bad game. But they claim that, you know, this ends the bad luck of the year. And from now on, you're going to have good luck. And you do this by the, the killing of this effigy. But I'm pretty sure that back before we had cell phones with cameras, you know, and could record anything. Right. That um, there was probably a real person killed. Were you witness to any of these ceremonies and rituals? Like, did you, did, or did they just, is it exclusive only for the people that were invited? Oh, no, as being the high wizard, you have to, not only are you participating, um, you have a role to play. You know, there's a, a man made river and lake, and you stand on, on a boat that's on a track. And then you take an oar and push off the uh, the bottom of the lake, but there's there's nothing you're not going to capsize. There's no way for you to capsize, and you go from one side of the river to the other, but it's it's not very far that you have to go. And then there's a ceremony that happens with a young child. And it's a fake death. You move the, the knife around as if you're really killing the child, but you don't. And you hear, when you hear, um, if you watch Alex Jones' video about Bohemian Grove, he mentions seeing, but he doesn't know he's looking at a high wizard, but he mentions a guy dressed in all black that I think has a top hat and face paint. And he's looking at a high wizard. And that guy, he hears a loud blood-curdling scream. That scream is controlled because they hook a young child up with electrodes to his genitals. And they tell him, this is going to hurt, but we'll buy you ice cream later. So the child doesn't know this is, how bad this is going to hurt. He screams and passes out. When he wakes up, he'll wake up probably in an hour or so. And the next day, he's given ice cream. And when the first time it happened, I didn't know. Like I did my, mo my motions the way they told me that I was supposed to do them. I'd never done one of these before. And the kid screamed and passed out. And I thought, how'd they do that? And he's covered with a sheet. I didn't realize that they were shocking his genitals. And then I was like, how did you get him to agree to do that? You know, they're like, well, he's never done it before. He didn't know how bad it was going to hurt. And then they drug him slightly so they're not moving around. Sounds like the foster system. Yeah, it does. <laughs> no lie. I mean, I used to, I used to talk kids down by offering them ice cream, and then I would take them for ice cream. You know, like you, it you, you learn to negotiate. But yeah, like oh, the kids are did. so they gave, they gave them ice cream. They were honest about it. They said it's gonna hurt like hell, and then you get ice cream. Yeah. And then they drug they them. Lying about any of it. 
what's the purpose of Bohemian Grove? I mean, is it is it to set people up to get them, you know, under blackmail, or is it is it invoking things? Is it, you know, using Satan's power to gain more power in the earth? Like, is it all of it? I don't like. I've never really been able to understand. I've heard so many different accounts and stories. Like, what is the reason for it, and when did it start? Uh, it's been there. The Bohemian Club's been there, I think, for a couple of hundred years. Um, it's 2,600 acres of redwood trees. And when you get invited, it's up to about 3,000 people. And well, like I said, it's personal invite only. Even if you want to bring somebody, you have to get permission for them to be there. You can't just show up with them. Um, so they invite people when you're there. They invite gay prostitutes, gay porn stars. And they'll be like, that. They'll, they'll announce orgy in the field. And if you want to go, just go and watch or go and participate. And there's a bunch of gay porn stars or gay prostitutes having sex in the field. And whoever you are, I mean, there's Republicans and Democrats there. Everybody would watch. Some people that have even signed anti-homosexuality bills are participating in gay acts. But the majority of the Grove is set up for Let's say me and you guys were there. We're just there to hobnob with each other. I need to meet you. I need to network with you. You've got things that can further my agenda. I might know somebody that can further your agenda. And that guy over there dressed in the tuxedo and corpse paint and top hat can further all of our agendas. But he's expensive. You know, whenever I, as the high wizard, would meet with somebody, you know, I would give them a business card and say, I know what you want. Call, call these people and negotiate. You know, lowball them at first. Because they, if they start, if you start off expensive, they're going to keep giving you high prices. Just tell them right off the bat, I'm not rich, but I need this done. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, G-Pat said it's a den of iniquity, that's for sure. It So it's it's kind of this, like, let's all have a business meeting, but in the midst of the business meeting, we're going to invoke cannotations and we're going to put curses on things. And right. this, You know what's amazing to me, Zach, is that the Christian church in general is i hate to say this powerless when we should we have authority on earth through jesus christ and yet the demonic side understands this better than the church like so all these businessmen go there thinking oh i can get more power by going to this event and seeking spiritual you know wisdom from from someone like yourself right a wizard or a warlock or something like that or witches and they'll they'll do that but the christian church just sits back and says well you know what are we going to do we we've, we can't really do much let's just turn the other cheek like i like, i don't understand that mentality 
know, I have a CD set and a book out called Abortion is a Satanic Sacrifice. And I tell you in the book and the CD set that abortion is spiritual warfare and that you cannot defeat a spiritual enemy or win in a spiritual battle if you're fighting physically. Yet, I also have in the book Einstein's definition of insanity. That's how we fight the abortion industry in this country. The definition, his definition of insanity was doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So every year, we send a million people to march in Washington in January, and we change laws. And then for the rest of that year, abortion is still legal. So then the next year, we send a million people to march, and we write new laws. And the next year, abortion is still legal. So in January, we send a million people to march and write new laws. And we've been doing this since 1973. And what year did it work? None of them. I teach you four steps that are all spiritual warfare to shut down an abortion mill. My steps, by the time my CD set had come out, in 2015, our methods shut down 24 abortion mills. Now my book came out in 2018, and we've shut down a total of 49 abortion mills around the world. The average abortion mill, according to Planned Parenthood, the average one murders 1,500 babies every year. So since we've shut down 49, we're saving about 75,000 children every year. That is a mighty good feeling. But I wish all of them would shut down. You know, it's, it's, a very, it's almost depressing to know that you have the answer that people are looking for, and yet nobody does it the, the the places that shut down are because people specifically took those methods to that specific abortion mill and shut it down but people in general are like oh you can't fight the abortion industry they're just too big they're too tough nothing will happen i just let them keep killing their babies that's what they do you know, it's like, no, there were 49 clinics that used to be open that are no longer open where people didn't take that mentality. You know, according to Planned Parenthood, they have 865 abortion mills just in the United States. Now, I got interviewed... It was a few years ago, there was a temple of Baal built in New York and one built in Washington, D.C. And people were kind of upset that the temple of Baal got built. And in the interview, I got asked what I thought of these two temples of Baal. And I said, I don't know why we're upset about these two. 
there's already 865 of them <laughs> in the United States. Uh-huh. And I was being interviewed by a Christian podcast, and they had no idea what I was talking about. I said, there's 865 Planned Parenthoods. They all do the same thing as the Temple of Baal. They murder babies. Can everyone find this episode on Spotify or is it a specific place everyone can find this? The that interview? Or what? I think you're muted. Uh, Are you talking about step method to shutting down a clinic? Like is I, I do have it I do have it on Spotify and I do have it also on my YouTube channel. What, do you know the name of my YouTube channel? I've got it. I've got it right here, Zach. Yep. Zachary King, you can go subscribe right now. Just put it in the search bar. It'll pop up. Also, while we're at it, I'm going to put up your Facebook page. You can go to Zachary King on Facebook. And the website is allsaintsministry.org. You can go there. Lots of great information. And also, as Sylvia mentioned, we have Spotify, the All Saints Ministry podcast. Uh, and then I, those will be linked. I'll have those all in the description of the video after the show. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure those are in there for everybody to see. You know, Zach, uh, we had a question from uh, GPAT over there in Rumble and says, um, how do you react to people still participating in this lifestyle now that you're on the other side of it? Is, can you recognize that? I mean, I'm sure like you have this, you know, the sixth sense, right? A discernment of understanding, okay, that that guy's definitely a wizard. That guy's in this deep in the black magic and all that stuff. I mean, do you have like, can you recognize that? And then how do you address it? I can. Um, you know, I can't make somebody come to one of my talks, but I can pray for them. You know, and I've had people say, is praying all you can do? I don't know who you pray to. My God is mighty. You know, I, I have plenty of prayers I can do or... Um, you know, I think that the Latin mass is more efficacious than the Novus Ordo. So you can get, uh, if you get it for an individual person, I think it's $30 or for a large group of people. And it's a very large group because we do it every 90 days for everybody that contacts me. Um, we buy perpetual Latin masses and it's like, you remember how much that was? It's like $120 or something like that. But, you know, when, when I said you need to fight dirty and you need to be as crafty as a serpent and as innocent as a dove, go to St. John Cantius from Chicago and buy perpetual masses, perpetual Latin masses for your son would be $30. Satan's got no defense against the mass. You can't fight the mass. It's like beating him up every time it's done. So basically, we need to turn to God and we need to start praying and fasting. And that's really what this um, right. needs to Sylvia, be. Sylvia, we've already turned to God a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, we did. I'm talking about for the country, the whole country. Yes. A lot of, a lot of people... <laughs> don't believe that 
the devil is alive and well. Don't believe the devil is here. Don't believe that Satanism is happening anywhere. You know, it's like, do you not watch the news? Because the year before last, I used to tell people that satanic conventions happen every year. They're just top secret. You know, and people are like, I've never heard of them. That doesn't happen. You know, because you haven't heard of it doesn't make it any less top secret and doesn't mean it's not happening. You know, are you a Satanist? No. Then why would you know about it? And I kept telling people, I, I spoke in, I think it was 2012, and I told people, we need to pray against it now because eventually Satan's going to be in the public square. He's going to be out in public. Everybody's going to know about it. But maybe if you prayed against it now, you could avoid that public square thing. This guy called me and he said, you know, I, I saw your conference in 2012. Why did you say that thing about the, the uh, conference, satanic conferences? And so I explained why. And he said, I think you're a liar. I think it never happens anywhere. And you just made it up to scandalize your talk and make a lot of people come to it. And I said, well, maybe that would have been the case had I said it before the conference took place because I wanted all of you to come to it. But I said it while you were there. What's my point now? I can't make somebody show up to my conference once it's going. You know, it's already going. You know, and he's like, well, I don't, I don't know why you would have lied, but I think you lied. And I said, well, what's the harm in the Bible that says no prayers are wasted? What's the harm in you praying for it? He goes, I'm not going to waste my time praying for something that's never going to take place. Okay. So year before last, I got this call. And this guy says, I, I, I just heard about this thing. And, and it, it's the, the satanic temple is, is having Satan con in Arizona. Man, what, what are we going to do? I was like, wait a minute. I've heard your voice before. Didn't you talk to me like 10 years ago? Um, maybe. Yeah, I, you asked me why I told you about SatanCon. And I explained why. Do you remember what you said to me? No. Oh, let me remind you. You said I was a liar and that these things don't actually happen. And you refuse to pray against it. Because why pray against something that's never going to happen? Do you remember that now? Yes. So do you know what's going to happen now? He goes, no. I said, well, Satan just pulled the trigger on both barrels of his satanic shotgun. That convention's going to take place. You can pray against it if you want, but right now I think it's going to go. And it can't be stopped right now. And it can't be stopped because the only person that prayed against it last 10 years was me. So, SatanCon is now happening. Last year, 
they're very open now. Like, uh, I don't know if you've heard the after the after class, um, the after school classes they have. After now school Satan. They, and it's after school Satan started in, I think, 2016. Uh, right. So they're and people are like, no, it's not Satanism. Yes, it is. And not only that, but I've had um, I know one parent where her daughter started going to one of these classes, but she didn't know it was Satan because they didn't tell her that, right? They just told her it was an after-school class, yeah. and they started transitioning her daughter without her permission. And um, that's what we're finding out is a lot of them is just to transition. And, and, and then you've got people advocating for abortion. Like, people aren't even seeing what's really happening in the spiritual realm they're just going along with it and now they their morals and their values have moved so far along right. the line that they don't even they're not even advocating for life anymore they're not advocating for and just like with the children and trafficking you know i'm, I'm really shocked at the people that just are like turning their heads and and ignoring it when they could actually look at it and start digging and start researching just like Danielle's case you know like that's a legit case of child trafficking and it's happening all across our country well there was um I was telling people because they thought that at my coven there must have been maybe 50 people or 100 people top you know a thousand and I said, my first coven was an OTO coven. And it had between 125 and 150 members. And I thought it was huge. I only know of two covens at that time. And one had about the same number of members. So I thought all covens were about that size. And whenever I would talk to somebody about a coven, I would say, our coven was huge at 125 to 150 members. Then I started to the World Church of Satan and they had 1.1 million members worldwide. And most people that come to my talks think I'm lying when I say that. Now, when Satanic Temple came out with their first Satan Con, they admitted that they had 300,000 members worldwide. That seems like a lot. But I'm sure there's people out there going, oh, no, they don't have 300,000. So now that they just had SatanCon in Boston, they are now advertising that they have 700,000 members worldwide. In one year, they more than doubled. Going by that, wherever SatanCon is going to be this year, they're going to be bigger than the World Church of Satan. And they're public. They're in your face. Now, they have said, and this is really scary, they have said that the majority of their members are transgendered. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. That speaks volumes. More than 90% of the members, which means that there's almost 700,000 transgendered people in the world. Insanity. 
Wow. When you were in it, when you were a wizard and, and doing all that stuff, doing the sacrifices and chasing that dream of yours, did you ever get frightened by the American church? Did it ever cross your mind? Wow, these, these are some powerful people. Or would you just laugh at them and say, these people don't know how to pray or whatever they believe in as faith? We attacked. Okay. You have to imagine the world church of Satan as being three houses. Two houses are back to back. One's at the end. And each one has a privacy fence up around it. So this satanic temple group, or this satanic world church of Satan group attacks the Baptist church. That's all they attack. And they don't know what happens in these other two houses. They don't even know at times that these two houses exist. Now I know that all three houses exist because I'm a wizard. This church, this one attacks the Catholic church. Now, and this one on the end writes stuff about communism, socialism, new age religions, and they write books, papers, have debates, um, promote governments to go towards communism. Um, you know, there's so many new age religions and they're always revamping one or writing something brand new. There's always some new way to distract you from God and point you in the direction of the devil, but not tell you it's the devil. Because to me, new age religion is more dangerous than outright Satanism. Yeah. Satanism, there's God, there's the devil. You know who the good guy is. You know who the bad guy is. You know, there's heaven and hell. There's angels, there's demons. In the new age religion, there's angels, there's heaven, there's God. Nobody goes to hell. There's no demons. Everybody that dies goes to heaven. There's nothing bad ever happens to anybody. And it's just a sugar-coated version of Christianity. Yeah. Now, I couldn't understand why we attacked the Catholic Church. When I was growing up, when I was eight years old, me and my brother came outside of church, and my dad asked me what we did today in Sunday school. And I said, we colored a picture. I asked my brother, we colored a picture. That wasn't holy enough for my dad. So for the next, for the rest of the summer, he took us to a different Protestant church every week. And at the end of all of them, he'd ask us what we did. We played find a word. We played a crossword puzzle. We colored a picture. We made Play-Doh. You know, we did arts and crafts of some kind. Well, since all of them do the same thing at the same age, he just put us back in the Baptist church because we've been there since we've been in diapers. So he just continued doing that. One day, I noticed that I used to get a ride to school and I'd walk home. And both ways, I passed a Catholic church. But this wasn't one of the churches that we checked out. They had um, stained glass windows, same as the Baptist church. We had a cross on our church. They had a crucifix. I didn't know the difference. 
there's a bell that rings three or four times a day. I have no idea why. At my church, the preacher always wore a suit. His wife wore a flowery dress. At this place, the men are standing outside in foot pajamas, black foot pajamas. I didn't know what a cassock was. And the women are all wearing blue, white, brown, or black dresses that go from the top of their head down to their feet. And I could not tell which one of these men was married to which one of these women. One day when I was walking past there, there was this woman out there in a brown habit. And she looked like, if you looked up the word love in the dictionary, her picture would have been there. And I ran up and I gave her a hug. And she knelt down and gave me a hug. And she gave me the longest hug I've ever had. And then I noticed that my friends are way off in the distance. So I tear apart from her and run off to be with them. And the next day, I've got a burning desire. I really want to know what this building is. We're driving past it. I was like, dad, 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 dad. What is that building? I'm eight years old. I can read. See, it says Catholic Church. I don't know what that means. What's a Catholic? Doesn't matter. They're all going to hell. So, armed with that knowledge, I now know there's three houses. I know that one's doing New Age and communism and socialism. This one is attacking the Baptist Church. And that one is attacking a bunch of people that are going to hell. I don't know why we're attacking that group. I mean, they're all going to end up in hell. I'm going to end up in hell one day. So I guess I'll see all the Catholics there. And then around 1995, you know, remember that the Baptists used to be anti-Freemasons. Well, around 95, all the deacons were joining the Freemasons. The women wore skirts that went all the way to the floor and went all the way to their throats. Now they're showing cleavage and the skirts are mini skirts and they have to sit a certain way or they might flash you. They're, they used to be anti-abortion, but now if you get into a little whisper group, they'll tell you about the abortion their daughter just got and then it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. And they used to be against homosexuality but they just held a remembrance ceremony for their son to get married at the Baptist church and in the fellowship hall. So we weakened their faith, watered it down. Satan attacks those churches that do him harm. If you're not attacking the devil, the devil leaves you alone. There's 66,000 Protestant denominations. Satan doesn't mess with them. He doesn't send World Church of Satan out to attack these people. And I'm thinking, why would you be a Protestant if the devil's not attacking you? And he stopped attacking the Baptist Church. I stopped doing the stuff that I was doing to the Baptist Church because Satan was no longer threatened by them. They no longer had the prayer words that they used to. They no longer stand up against certain sins. Yeah. Now they just do the sins. 
you know, their, their faith was watered down and that's the way it is. And, you know, if you look at the number one church that's attacked now, you're going to attack the Catholic church with impunity. Attack a Muslim mosque and see what happens to you. Attack a Jewish synagogue and see what happens to you. Attack a Catholic church and nothing happens to you. No one sues you. No one gets mad. No one shows up your house with machine guns. You're fine. You're safe. If you look up how many Catholic churches have been burned down around the world and in the United States, it's a big number. That don't even go back the full 2,000 years. Just go back 50 years. It's like 265. And nothing happens. If you feel like beating somebody up, go to a Catholic church and do it. Nothing will happen to you. You want to go there and shoot a priest? Go and do that because nothing will happen to you. It happens on a regular basis. Now, I'd be careful about doing it at a Latin Rite church because their deacons are armed and they will shoot back. It's interesting. Uh, okay, there was one question I wanted to throw at you real quick. Now I lost it, of course. <laughs> oh, Scientology. I was going to talk about Scientology. So, I mean, another one. New Age, I'm with you. The New Age thing is the biggest fraud. And, you know, the Christ consciousness and all this stuff they harp on, um, It's it has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. It's I've known New Age people. I know people that are in it. I, I actually sought it a long time ago myself, looking into crystals and the power and all that stuff, you know, and it's just all this mystical stuff that's just nonsense. And it and it's derived from ancient, you know, it's all the same. I mean, it's, Satan regurgitates the same things over and kind of packages them new, puts a little bow on it and says, here, I'll give you this. And people follow it. I've always said, Zach, that I could literally, <laughs> I could literally hold up a paintbrush and say, this paintbrush has changed my life. And I could, you know, claim it, it produced a couple miracles in my life. And I know I could gain a following. And people would right. bow down to that paintbrush. I mean, that's just human nature. If you're not seeking, you know, G Jesus said, seek him with all your heart, with all your mind, soul, and strength. Seek after the Almighty. And if you're not doing that, we can easily be deceived. Easily. And you were on the other side. That's, that's the amazing thing to me, is that you were in such darkness, in such a place of deception, thinking in your mind, I pretty much rule the world. I can I can say this or say that and it's gonna happen. I can use this magic and all these, you know, powerful things that I have at my disposal. And yet no one was it doesn't seem like many people were confronting you. Like it doesn't seem like you had any opposition from the church. Like I had um sometime in the nineties I had a guy evangelized to me and so when that woman came up to give me the blessed miraculous medal i was convinced she was going to pull out a jack chick pamphlet because that's what happened to me before this guy came up to me offered me a jack chick pamphlet and told me that i needed god i needed jesus and i declared that i did not i don't know what drug you're on but i don't want any any part of it and he told me what i needed to do 
get forgiveness. And I told him I wasn't interested. And even if I wanted to be interested, I couldn't. And he was like, why not? Because I sold my soul to the devil when I was 13. I signed in blood. It, it's a done deal. I signed a contract. And he followed me home, evangelizing to me. And then I went inside and went to bed. The next day I come outside. Who was waiting for me outside my house? That guy. And he started evangelizing to me more. I got in my car and drove away. And then whenever I would come home, that guy would show back up at my house. And I eventually called the police. I didn't go to court or anything, but the police talked to him and told him, you cannot do these things. He can't, he is within his rights to get an order from the court and you won't be able to come within like a thousand feet of them. And he said, he's a nice guy and doesn't want to do that to you. But if you continue, he's going to. So the guy left me alone. Of course, he probably prayed for me. Mm -hmm. I know as well, my mother was Catholic, or my grandmother was Catholic. And she prayed rosaries every day, I think, for me. Was there ever talk of Jesus in the covenant? Like, what was... Did they just mock him continuously, or was his name not mentioned? I mean, how'd that go over? He, for the most part, wasn't mentioned at all. But there was a time when there was a guy named Steve that what was also a coven member, and somebody was talking about Steve had the flu, and he was going to be gone for like three or four days. I'd met Steve a couple of times. He's a nice guy. And... He said, I said, what's the big deal about him not being here? And he goes, he makes phone calls at night, and we need somebody else to do that. And I said, well, I'm not doing anything tonight. I can do it. He goes, well, you'll have to do it however many nights he's out. I went, oh, I can do it. I don't have anything planned this week. And just tell me what you need me to do. So I thought a few phone calls would be three or four, but it was not three or four phone calls. It was one phone call in every time zone around the world every night that's 24 phone calls if somebody doesn't answer the phone then you have to call somebody else there's a, a list of people that you go down and if nobody answers the phone then you call back the first person and you leave a message and the reason for this was that extended black masses happen every night between midnight and 3 a.m. And when they do the black mass, they consecrate all the day's abortions in that time zone to Satan and the Antichrist. And which was weird to me because my coven didn't do black masses. But we were told, for the most part, it was atheistic covens that do that. Now, what's odd about that, and the Satanic Temple does this, they're an atheistic coven. So they do a Black Mass. Now, the big deal at a Black Mass is do you have 
a stolen host, Eucharist. Now, they don't want an unconsecrated host. You could go to the Catholic bookstore and buy a box of 100 unconsecrated hosts for about 10 bucks. Satanists will send somebody that's satanic friendly into a Catholic church, one that gives it in the hand, so that that person acts like they took it. In reality, they put it in their pocket. And then when they come to the satanic coven meeting, they offer to sell it. Well, the cheap side would be about $1,500. And if they're desperate, they'll pay up to 15000 The average price is about $5,000. Why would you pay $15,000 for a piece of bread that doesn't mean anything? Notice they don't steal the Baptist Wonder Bread. 66,000 Protestant denominations. They don't take their Eucharist. They take the Catholic churches because ours is consecrated. It's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Now, who believes that other than the Catholics? The Satanists. And who believes it other than the Satanists? Satan. Because he sees with spiritual eyes and can see that it is Jesus. So he gets the Satanists to pay good money for it. They have to pay their 30 pieces of silver just like in the New Testament when Judas got offered 30 pieces of silver. So they sell Jesus and then they desecrate his body at the Black Mass. And it's like, why on earth would you spend $15,000 for that if you didn't believe what it was? Yet they claim to be atheists. And they know it's consecrated because they either get very sick when they're in its presence or they get angry. And the reason they get sick or angry is because Jesus is 100% love. And they can't handle love in their life because they're Satanists. That makes a lot of sense with a lot of people. <laughs> it does. Zach, was like when you came out of it, there had to be like a lot of hatred coming your way. I mean, from, from your old coven and like people that you were hanging out with. I mean, they had to think you were nuts, first of all. And then, like, I mean, was there like threats on your life or anything like that? Or curses put upon you? I used to have, I used to receive threats regularly. There was a while when I was really good friends with my local sheriff's department, not here, but in Florida, because I would get threats in either my email or one, one time snail mail. You know, it's like, you realize that sending this to somebody when it crosses state lines, it now becomes an FBI program. You know, I've also received death threats from out of the country. My friend, Father Chris said, you know, you've arrived when you get a fatwa in your email. I've never gotten one, but I feel like I haven't arrived yet. But, um, you know, it, 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 I used to get them on a regular basis. Plus, I would have things happen to me, like 
me and my ex-wife were on tour and we were at a hotel and my crucifix lifted off my chest and got yanked off my neck and hit the ground. And she said, I just saw that happen. I was like, yeah, me too. You know, she's like, you still going to take a shower? Like, yeah, I still need to be clean. It doesn't bother you that they might kill you in the shower? Well, this is why I'm keeping my scapular on, just in case. You never know. I had, we were staying in a rectory in Wisconsin. And I'm bringing everything out to the car. She is the master of Tetris. So we could have more suitcases than what we have room for in the car. But she will Tetris the back of the car. And now suddenly we have room for all those cases. And she was amazing. So we're doing that. I'm standing inside. I've got one suitcase to go. I bend down and I pick it up. And she watches my feet get swept out from underneath me. I land on my head and I'm knocked out. And she comes in and checks on me. My knee is now bloody and my head has an abrasion on it. Plus I'm unconscious. And she finally wakes me up. She's like, I watched your feet get swept out from you. And I watched you land on your head. I was like, come on, we got other places to go. And she's like, you're not worried? It's already happened. God will protect me. Or he won't, I'll die a martyr. Either way, I win. So I, I have a I've question. had, go ahead, oh, Sylvia, okay. sorry. No, you go no, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was I, just going to say, I've, <laughs> go, go, ahead. Go, go ahead, Sylvia, go, I'm muting. Okay, so I just think that uh, bringing darkness to light really helps, um, and you've helped me a, a lot with uh, learning the pedophile terms and how they communicate with each other. And I think if people like once once you see it, and I know you and I have had these conversations that once you see it, you can't unsee it, but people right. need to know what they are. So um, uh, some of the terms that I learned, and I, I'm hoping that you'll give us some more terms so people can start to see in their own community, the different places that um, how they communicate through words and colors and numbers. So I learned that the word fresh, if it's, is it, if it's written in uh, green, that means it's an underage child. Right. Okay. Uh, there's also um, the symbol of a butterfly or seeing a picture of a butterfly means that there's pornography happening somewhere nearby. Um, if it's a butterfly? Also, if, it, if it's, um, some places will actually put the colors of the butterfly up. So if it's a black butterfly, there's black children somewhere that are being filmed. If there's multicolored butterfly, then it's multiple races. And that that would refer to that being in that the the bounds of that particular city or town. Yeah, well, most it likely. would be like in a restaurant. Like you might see like 
um, like fresh. I don't know. You probably can help me better with this, but it'll say like fresh, uh, fresh meat. Or you think they're talking about the, um, the menu, or like they're not. Right. They're not talking about the menu. You know, it, it's um, you know, one of the ways that they hide in plain sight is when you see the Wayfair cabinets on sale. And you'll see a Wayfarer cabinet with a broken leg that's $400,000. And it has a picture of one, and it's an actual Wayfarer cabinet, and it's got a broken leg, but it might tell you in the description that it's a white cabinet. So you know the white girl got a broken leg. So she's flawed. So you might be able to negotiate a cheaper deal. But no one would pay $400,000 for this cabinet. Right. They're clearly talking about something else. You know, it used to be that I think forks, at one time, forks were girls and spoons were boys. I think now it's the opposite. I think girls are spoons and boys are forks. Certain types of pizza describe girls or boys. Um, pictures of children wearing red shoes. The red shoes were contest winners and they are, for some reason, they are, what's the word I'm looking for? When the billionaire shows up to bid, they're bidding first on the people with the red shoes. It's prime cut or prime meat. So the red shoes children are virgins. And when they're when a buyer is in the market for this, is it is it multifaceted? I mean, are they looking for something to fulfill their sick fetish, but also to gain some kind of spiritual power by it? I mean, is it kind of like twofold? The only spiritual power you could get from this is if you've made a deal with Satan. Like, I will do this if you'll grant me this. And how they'll know that they're being, that Satan has said yes, is that the opportunity will present itself. Because generally, if you say, um, Satan, I would have sex with whatever age child that isn't going to present itself if you didn't say that that's not going to ever you know when is that going to happen but when you say it to satan if he's listening which i mean according to padre pio there's so many demons that even if they were the size of a pinhead there's enough demons to blot out the sun so that's a lot of demons. So I think at that, if you made a deal with Satan, he would hear you. So you're asking, if this deal presents itself, I will take advantage. But if I take advantage, you owe me this. So when the deal presents itself, he knows Satan listened. 
because normally that deal is not going to present itself. And so he gets the child, he does the sexual act, and then he gets whatever he asked for. But remember that Satan doesn't play fair. So you're looking for a billion dollar deal. I do this, I get to be a billionaire. You do that, you get a million dollars. A million dollars might sound like a lot of money if you don't have any money. But if you're trying to be a billionaire, a million dollars isn't really going to help you. You know, the devil, kind of like you're asking for the Lamborghini to give you a bicycle. You know, it's not fair. It's never fair. You know, when I was doing it as I wizard, and I was doing an abortion, I felt like I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof when I was done. But I didn't do it for the deal. I did it because it was my job. So that guy has to be happy with whatever it is he was given. You know, and sometimes they don't get what they asked for. They get a portion, a fraction of what they wanted. Most people that do it, do it because they're perverts. And they just have some sick, twisted desire what they want and Satan's willing to give it to them. You know, I did, after I did your show, mm -hmm. I was listening to podcasts one day and there was a podcast by either, it was either the director or the producer of The Sound of Freedom. And it was about human trafficking. So I thought, yeah, I'll listen. Let's see what they're talking about today. And I listened to this show and I was so mad at the end of that show that I made a podcast about it. And I don't know if it's been presented yet. Because hmm. like I said, you know, we do 20 a month. Uh, we present 20. I record them way in advance. And so that we're always ahead of what we need. But I think the name of that podcast is What the Hell. So if you I find one, what the, that one. Well, what the Hell, it's about this um, this guy speaking, and he said that there was a an app made, and the app went on the dark web, and it searched for a certain term to see how many people use that term in their searches of the dark web. Now, not only did it get that term, but it got their email address, their IP address, and their home address. So then once it collected all these over the course of a year, they then sent them out to all the states. Now this was only in the United States. They sent notices out to all the police in all 50 states. And the police, knocked on these people's homes, knocked on their doors. When they answered the door, they were told, this is what we found connected to you. And they had a warrant to search their, their computers, their laptops, their tablets. If they found something, you were arrested and taken to prison. You went to court, you were found guilty, and you now have a record 
and you're listed as a predator. If there was nothing on anything you owned, then you were given a stern warning and threatened by the police that we now know who you are and what you look for. And we might check on you periodically. Don't know if they did this or not. However, the term they were looking up was child rape. And I, I was beyond upset. And I, I, you know, I said, we have 85,000 children that went missing from ours and the Mexican border. And most of them are supposed to be here. How do 85,000 children go missing in our own country? And then if you watch The Sound of Freedom, they say that 2 million children go missing and get trafficked every year. How is it possible? Again, I mean, I realize that there's the rest of the world to go, but they talk about that the United States is the biggest trafficker of children and we have more pedophiles and more children being trafficked in our own country than anywhere else in the world. Yep, and 88% how, of those how, come from the foster system. How all of these people in my country? It's and then I how many people they found? How many people did the police go talk to? Because there's 85,000 that are missing from our border and 2 million around the world. So the number has to be between those two. But I wasn't thinking it was going to be 800,000. 800,000. 800,000 perverts in this country. Like, get myself worked up now yeah well zach like the lady said if you knew what was going on with cps adoption and foster care your stomach would be turning even more because it's it's the system that has been this is a satanic system there's no doubt in my mind it has been right. put in place to literally market children um it, the amber alert all of it it's all connected all these things are connected in fact while we're here <laughs> i do i'm going to throw this out and do you know who John Walsh is from America's Most Wanted? Yes. Okay. Have you ever had any run-ins with John Walsh by any chance? Not with John Walsh. But I know people that are anti-John Walsh. Okay, They're good. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we work with his daughter, so we know we know a lot about them. Yeah. What What have you heard about? Um, what are the rumors anyway? Let's just if if you can discuss that or want to talk about it um i've heard that he's a pedophile and i've heard that he continues to do that and he uses his uh adam walsh foundation to help with it like nobody second guesses him because he's john walsh so you you're talking about the national center for missing and exploited children no the original um the original group when they were telling me about it it wasn't that it was the adam walsh foundation 
Hmm. Well, the okay. Adam Walsh yeah, Foundation that... actually does a lot it, with the foster system. It's hmm. the reason that the Adoption Act was put in place was the Adam Walsh Act, and it was through hmm. uh, CPS, and that's actually how they adopt them out. So, like, um, and, and we we just connected this uh, actually uh, while I was on Megan's case um, that they created the adoption from the Adam Walsh Act, but makes no sense because Adam was murdered. So right. what would the what would adoptions have to do with a murdered child? The false flag of Adam Walsh is what opened the doors to be able to go after parents like me to take children using the name the National Center and Adam Walsh Foundation. So like in my case, the person that kidnapped my child at 33 hours old whose name is Israel. Um, she was associated with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So they use the center and all of the data centers that they're connected to and LifeTouch, the pictures that you get your school pictures with your children every single year. All of that gets stored in their database for them to target and track families to go after their children and then use the CPS system to push uh trafficking through so it's a whole entire system one of the strange things about when they used to come to the school and they would fingerprint the children mm -hmm. yeah that that really only helps you once the child is dead mm -hmm. it's like you're all smiles and saying this is helping protect your child but it really isn't yep Right. That, just just like the girls had stated, 88% of sex trafficking is going on within the foster care system. 88%. That is complete and utter failure of, of a system. So it must be set up and designed that way if it's at 88%. And even the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children acknowledges that number. So if, if that's the case, we're four like-minded people here, and I've, we have some reasonable intelligence amongst us you would just shut down the foster care system and reinvent it where something right. that works and you just solved most of the problem. But yet, no, for some reason, for some reason, it stays open. It continues doing business and that's what it is, doing a business, collecting taxpayer money to do it. So essentially, the taxpayer is helping fund a system that is completely and utterly broken or designed that way. I, I believe it's designed that way. Uh, mm -hmm. And yet, for some reason, some of these, the largest organizations in the world that frighten us with these horrible numbers, they don't want to end that and you could solve most of the problem? I don't understand that. When I was making my CD set, which originally was going to be a DVD, I hired six different companies to do the graphic arts on it. And all six of them said, oh, yeah, we can do that. And then when it came time to use them, they couldn't do it. So it ended up being a CD set instead. I needed to get the pamphlets from Planned Parenthood. And I figured I couldn't just walk in there and get them. So I had a friend named Christy. And I went up there with Christy. She's in my car. She's in the passenger seat. And she's just sitting there with the most angelic little smile on her face. And she's a tiny little girl. She's like maybe 5'1 or 5'2. And I drive up, park my car there, come inside. 
And I mentioned that my girlfriend, and I point to her, is a few years south of proper. Can I get my girlfriend an abortion? Oh, yeah. I don't need to get her mom or dad's permission. No, as far as we know, you're her dad. Okay. And she can just sign. Because, yeah, she doesn't even have to use her real name. We don't need her ID. Make up a name and use it. Okay. And so I, I first walked in there and said she was 16. While we were talking, I lowered it to 15. Then 14. Then I said she was 13. And eventually I said she's 11 or 12. And this whole time, they're still saying, it doesn't matter what you've done, how old she is, doesn't matter. We can do the abortion. Um, and if you, if your insurance won't pay, we have an indigent form you can fill out and the government would actually pay most of it. Like it'll be a thousand dollars and the government will pay $800. So you just have to come up with $200. $200. If I raped my 11 year old girlfriend and made her pregnant. And they gave me all these pamphlets and let me be on my way. And Christy was 19, I think. She was about to go in the convent. So she looks really young, but she's really 19 at the time. But they believed her to be 11 or 12. And that obviously I'm in my 40s. I'm raping this girl. But she can't say yes at 11. And they're totally okay with it. And oh, and they volunteered that there's a lot of men my age and older that bring in girls this young or younger to have these abortions almost every day. They actually said that to you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Might have been great to have that on, on uh, video or audio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have a real problem in this country. I mean, in, in the world for that matter, but there is no regard for children and tech really for families anymore. And if you're Satan, you know, I, I've said this a million times, if you're going to bring down a country that's powerful, like the United States, they knew they couldn't do it from without, right? They, they were military. Our military is one of the strongest in the world, right? We have all these weapons of mass destruction, all these things. So how do you do it? You destroy it from within. And it's, it's the moral fabric that they've gone after. Eliminate God, go after the family, confuse people with their identities. I mean, it's really evil genius. Uh, and it's, it's worked up to this point because the church has sat. And when I say the church, I mean, Zach, I know you're Catholic and I respect that. I'm just church in general. Anybody that can, you know, professes Jesus Christ and Lord has literally sat on its hands and done right. almost nothing. I agree. I yeah. agree. Um, you know, they, they don't like my ministry is pro-life and it also teaches people about spiritual warfare. And most of the world does not know what spiritual warfare is, even though, you know, the book of Ephesians is not a new book in the Bible. It didn't just get there. 
you know, it's been there since 395, you know, and it's been there this whole time. So everybody can read that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but about principalities and powers of the air. And yet, when you bring up something about spiritual warfare, you get, you know, well, I didn't believe in the devil and now I do. It's like, or um, I just now learned about spiritual warfare and I decided to join the fight. You know, and that was a woman in Ireland and I asked her how old she was. And she said she was 40. And I said, well, congratulations. You've been in the battle for 40 years and nine months. Congratulations on just now realizing it. You know, and a bunch of people in the room laughed. And I said, you guys don't have any room to laugh. Take your age, add nine months to it. That's how long you've been in spiritual warfare. Ever since Satan realized your mom was pregnant. If you're here right now, when you get home, you need to order flowers and have them sent to your mom and thank her for not aborting you. Because she had the option. It's a hard truth, but... We've had a Holocaust going on for 50 years, you know, 50 whatever years until they, you know, ab abolished it, you know, as they say. But we know each state, it's up to the states now, right, to do something about it. And not many of them are doing things. I mean, there's a few that have stood up. But in general, we've had a Holocaust going on for 50 plus years. And no one bats an eye at it, like between the foster care system and CPS and, and abortions, like you... Like, we have to wake up at some point or we'd lose everything. It's almost, if you have children, you need to leave the country for 18 years. Now, when they turn 18, come back. And because at that point, CPS can't touch you. Well, I think it's happening all over the world, though. That's the crazy, crazy yeah. thing. They've gotten it. Like, we have... A lot of people that we talk with, they're in Australia, they're in the UK, they're in, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's all across the world. It's not even, like, America is worse than people ever even thought it was or even realized that it is, but it's happening all across the world. It's not even, like, like where do you go? Buy a little oh. island by yourself? Let's buy back Epstein Island. Okay. <laughs> well, what doesn't make sense, well, I mean, it makes sense because I know why it's happening, but um, people don't think about this. CPS is supposed to be there to help families, right? They're supposed to be there to keep families together, supposedly. Well, why aren't they at abortion clinics saying, hey, we can help you. You don't have to do this. We can provide services for you to help you get through this. Why don't they do that? They're they're not at abortion clinics. They're keeping them separate. They're sacrificing the children in two separate ways. Rather than trying to stop the sacrificing, they're actually sacrificing through CPS and Planned Parenthood. It's crazy how bad how bad it has gotten. And you know it's not going to get better anytime soon. Well, let me let me add something to that, Zach. I I'm an eternal optimist. I believe we are part of a generation that's gonna tear down this this Babylonian system. I really believe that. I believe the Lord has shown me that. 
Um, and I know the girls are on the same page with me. We are, <clears throat> we're up against it. I'll tell you that like every day we are against it. And, but I think we are making a, a few inroads here and there. Do we need help? Absolutely. We need the Lord. You know, we know God's on our side. Like we know that a hundred percent. Of course he is because he stands up for children. And so we're just going to keep pushing along every day. We're going to stay in our lanes with the gifts and talents he's given each of us to do what we're called to do. And I think this is the generation that sees, sees an end to some of these atrocities. Do I think it's, you know, some utopian heaven on earth thing? Of course not. Like until Jesus comes back, we're stuck with a lot of pain and suffering in this world and, and sick things, satanic things. And eventually we know that the Antichrist comes. I mean, that's prophesied. So... But I think there is this, I call it, I don't know, I call it the cleanup in aisle six for some stupid reason. <laughs> like, I do feel like there is this thing. He, there's, he's granting us uh, in his mercy and grace an extended period of time to, to really, I think, for the body of Christ in general. You know, he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. And I think this is part of that process. Uh, where he's extending extending his hand of mercy once again to the people that that are calling on him and repenting and saying you know what we want justice and we want righteousness and and i think this this might be the uh, curtain call you know this might be the last time that that happens a red sea moment uh for future generations and how many more generations follow i have no idea maybe it's one two three four i don't know that's that's in god's hands and no one knows the day or the hour but i do believe I, I, I just have known this for a long time, deep down inside, like we are a generation that is, we're going to do some great things through him and he's going to well, get all the glory for it. Not us. The, the amazing thing is that you look around and see how bad everything is right now, but God put it, the time that you are here is the perfect time to be here. Mm -hmm. This is the time that God chose to put us here because he knows we can do something. Yeah. You know, but there, there's also a possibility um, martyrdom is right around the corner. That's always a possibility if you're a Christian. That is for sure. Right. And it happens so much now. Uh, if you haven't cried enough on a certain day, watch um it's either through the eyes of the devil or through the eyes of satan it's a documentary on youtube and it talks about um how babies are stolen in the ukraine and poland and who steals them and then who goes to brothels to get them and it's Muslims that's all they that's all they talked about was Muslims go to these brothels the brothel is for age 0 to 3 3 to 9 9 to 13 by 13 these girls usually die or they traffic their organs or they take all their organs out stuff their body with cocaine and traffic drugs also, by the time you're 13 years old, if you've been a prostitute this whole time, you're considered an adult prostitute now. Some of these girls, young girls, are on the video screen 
They filmed them doing these things and they're trying to kill themselves on the screen. And those are the most popular videos. If you've cried enough on that day, don't watch it because it's rough. But when you see the stuff that happens in other countries, what makes it rough to me was that 800,000 people in my country were looking up those scenes. And now those scenes are available. And the people that are doing it in Poland and in the Ukraine, the United States wish they could go there and do that. You know, it's not some far out fantasy land and this stuff isn't happening anywhere. It is happening. Now I'm, just, I'm blown away. I, had, I did a talk in Kansas about a year ago and maybe it was a little more than a year ago. Go back to when Sound of Freedom came out. It was eight months before that. And I did a talk, it was about my life. And I spent a lot of time talking about human trafficking and child prostitution and child pornography. I did the rest of my talk. And then the woman that hosted me said, the Protestants had a problem with you talking about Mary. And we told them, well, if you didn't talk about Mary, you couldn't tell about its conversion. And they're like, okay. And then the Catholics had a problem with me talking about human trafficking and child prostitution and child pornography because they don't believe it happens. Why am I making up all these lies? Why am I talking about stuff that's not real? And then eight months later, Sound of Freedom came out and they all went and saw it and invited me back because apparently I was telling the truth. I was like, I don't understand how can you be alive in this world and not know that human trafficking takes place? It's through every system that we have. The right. prison system, the CPS system, if you look at Medicare and Medicaid, um, any system that we have in place, um, it's trafficking. Um, the I think we talked about this the last time. In foster care, um, it they do hu human trafficking and sex trafficking, human trafficking through the contracts that they have set up because they have to meet a quota in order to get uh, to get the funding, and then uh, eighty eight percent of sex trafficking victims come from the foster care, and that's through the group homes, foster homes, through CPS. And then if you look at the prisons, it's the same thing. It's on a quota basis where you have to have, you meet a quota in order to get funding. And a lot of these are nonprofits. And then you look at uh, Medicare and Medicaid, that uh, the foster system, it pays for all the, the kids' psychotropic medication. Um, in, the, in the elderly, Medicare does uh medication the same way as it does in Medicaid and foster care. So it's the same thing with the 
the pharmaceutical is benefiting and same, and they use the same medications uh, for the elderly and then for the kids. It's, it's different, but they use the same combinations. Um, and then it's all coming from Social Security, which is basically Americans uh, were the ones that is funding the whole thing. Yep. Someday, the entire world is going to hear what the entire world does. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the majority of the world is going to be shocked. I think that time is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would all agree on that. I do. You're right. I think this is the one thing that unifies most of the general public. You know, forget politics, religion. That's always going to create, you know, animosity between people, race, prejudice, all this stuff. When you talk about children, I mean, even in the horrendous days we're living in, I think that is the one thing that can still unite most of humanity. Not all, because there's there is just sick people out there. But I think that's the one thing where people can come together and say, you know what? It's worth it. This is worth it. This is the hill to die on. Would you agree with that? I don't know. We have a president that is on video on YouTube molesting an oh, Asian girl. Yeah, sicko. Yeah. Yeah. He, was just sniff he was just sniffing another uh, kid a couple weeks ago. He, he was um, him and his son. I hear have the nickname Pedo. Wow. Like people know that's his nickname. You want to, you want to have insult to injury? Uh, at one of the award ceremonies for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, uh, Hunter Biden accepted an award from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children for his brother, Bo Biden, who had passed away. So he, he they, they invited a pedo, a known pedo, yeah. with the laptop from hell. Now, this is before the laptop from hell, but still, I mean, there was already rumors spread about Hunter Biden and what he was doing, and they give him an award. And by the way, that award is a double heart. Talk about symbolism. Uh, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. It's a sick world. We, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, we... You, we talk about this all the time, obviously, because that's what this show's about. But I got to tell you, there is days, I myself personally, and I don't know about the girls, I can't speak for them, but I lay my head on a pillow and I think, oh my gosh, this is real. <laughs> like, this is really happening in this world and we've allowed it. Like, and no one, it, I just can't believe there's not enough people at this point to stand up and say, let's end the nonsense. It's time to stop it. Like, you would think there'd just be a, an uproar with people, but I, you're never going to get it in the fake news, right? They're, they're just not going to tell you what's going on. You're not going to know all this stuff unless you come to a little podcast like this. That's all I know when news is real. When the Democrats decry fake news, I know they're telling the truth. You know, it, it, the, the truth is that it's, it is real, and they, they cry to fake news. You know, I, I appeared in a conference a few years ago and it was called the Health Freedom Summit. And there's a lot of people speak at these things 
it was like a three-day or four-day conference. And every hour, there's somebody different speaking. And they had um, the person that advertised our conference the most was Joe Biden. And I know you're thinking, why would Joe Biden advertise the Health Freedom Summit? That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Joe Biden was speaking to the news, speaking to CNN, I think. And he said the greatest source of misinformation and fake news is the Health Freedom Summit. And they saved that clip and put it on their channel to advertise. I think everybody that liked Donald Trump, we had over 100,000 people at our conference. And the reason that um, Joe Biden said that is because the previous year, Jim Cabezal spoke. And he spoke about human trafficking and adrenochrome at the Health Freedom Summit. And it was, in, it was because he had been in the movie, The Sound of Freedom, but nobody had seen The Sound of Freedom yet. So nobody knew what it was about. And then he came out and talked about sex trafficking, human trafficking, and adrenochrome. And Joe Biden comes out and says, fake news. None of that's real. None of that's happening. And everybody wanted to know what he's referring to. So we had the biggest health freedom summit of all time. We need the same thing for foster care. The exact same. We need, we need people to understand what's going on right under their noses, right in their own neighborhoods. They need to know this, that families are being, innocent families are being torn apart for no reason other than money and trafficking children. That's it. Like It's sick, it's twisted, and it needs to end. But just like Sound of Freedom exposed the international problem of trafficking, we need a documentary about what is actually happening right here with CPS and foster care and the adoption. And it's, I, no one wants to touch this with a 10-foot pole, Zach. No one. We but need to write we need, that up. We need somebody. And then you need to contact Jim Caviezel and see if he'll do it. I would, we would love to. We actually knew someone that actually has an inroads to Jim, but he at, Jim's a pretty private guy, although I got to say, like in the last six months, it does seem like he's kind of come out a little bit more than, than in his past. But um, I, I don't know. It's, it's a subject that very few are interested in telling the story to. And it's, it's heart-wrenching, to be honest. I mean, so, Danielle, it's, a, it's personal. We, we're trying. We're definitely trying. I mean, Megan, like Danielle's story and Megan Walsh, John Walsh's daughter who we work with, like these are two gigantic stories that you would think the press would want to cover and say, are you kidding me? This is like, these are like movies. You could make movies out of these things. And people would be like, are you kidding me? This is a true life story. But no one wants to talk about it. It just gets swept under the rug. And then you right. should also talk to Tony Robbins because he helped um, sponsor a lot of the events paid for with his own money hmm. to take people over foreign countries and rescue children 
Yeah. Like we'd we'd love to see somebody rescue children right here in America. The kids that are taken right out of this system that's disgusting. I get so mad, Zach. Like I'm literally trying to bite my tongue on <laughs> there's some I can well, go on a rant for about, about an hour, but sorry. The thing about CPS is that you can't just send in a rescue team. That's the hardest part. Like they're the most difficult kidnapper because you can know where the child is, you can know who has them, and you cannot send in a rescue team. Because if you do, then you're arrested and mm -hmm. you're you're thrown right. in jail. So literally, you can watch your child from somewhere else being abused and do nothing about it, and nobody and you can't send anybody in there. That's the worst part to me. They're worse than people that kidnap kids off the streets because then at least you can send in a rescue team and you can rescue those kids. But we know where a lot of the kids are, and we know who has them, and we can't go in and get them. Yeah, and then when anybody tries to, or if you even talk about doing it, you end up in jail with false charges for conspiring to kidnap your own child. So they, they really have the whole entire system set up like a well-oiled machine. Like they've been doing this for a long time and it's been pre-planned in advance. Yeah, like so. the Amber Alerts we've discovered are basically parents that were uh, visiting with their kids and they, they just got finally fed up with CPS and they took off with their kids. So then they do an Amber Alert. Those are, that's what they're using the Amber Alert to say that the kids are kidnapped. The parents are frustrated and they have nowhere to go because the judges, the attorneys, the social workers, and everyone is in on it. And so they take off with the kid and then they do an Amber Alert. They arrest the family, they arrest the parents, and they put out uh, a news thing that says what horrible parents the, these people are. And then they take their kids and they're never allowed to see them. Mm-hmm. And then the, it gets so bad for the parents that uh, it's like 8,000 parents a year that are going through this CPS stuff end up committing suicide because they can't take all of the pressure and they don't have anywhere to go and no help and no one believes them. Yep. And the media's dead silent on it. No one else wants to discuss it. And then you've got the, C the CPS thing. This is the thing that's really sick is that it's being funded by us. <laughs> We're helping fund yep. this thing, all of us. We're all contributing to it every day, every year. It's billions and billions of dollars in states' budgets, and yet it's a blind eye. And, and no politician wants to touch it. Why? Because they're all benefiting from it. You know, Some of them, I'm sure, are naive to it. Some of them don't know what's going on. But there's, there's quite a few that know what's going on. And this is on both sides. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> you know... I'm not a Democrat, that's for sure. But I will tell you, it's happening on both sides. And we've reached out to... There's several politicians that they just don't want yeah, to help. And there's tons of families know. that have been hurt by this. I'll I'll definitely speak to Democrats. If they're willing to help me, I don't care. what If you're a Republican or Democrat, if you're willing to help. If, yeah, if you're willing to I save know. a family, <laughs> we'll talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's sick. All right, Zach, as always, we appreciate you coming on tonight. Just lots of great information. Uh, we always appreciate you. You're always welcome back. That's for sure. And uh, we've reached three hours and 10 minutes. So oh, wow. <laughs> it's another long, 
<laughs> I knew this one was going to go long. We're not so, expecting that. Well, we could, but we could easily go another hour. There's just, it's, there's so much I want to ask personally, and I asked you a bunch of stuff, but I felt like a little kid in a candy store tonight. Like, oh, I get to ask him this and this. And <laughs> so, <laughs> I really appreciate you, and I know um, we're, you're, like I said, you're always welcome back, guys. You can go visit uh, the website. I'm sorry, uh, the YouTube channel, Zachary King. Um, and how you said you're doing 20 shows a month, Zach, is that what it was? Yeah, we release one a day, Monday through Friday. So okay. we're really about 20 a month. Excellent. And you can also go follow him on Facebook. That's right. And recorded like right now I have a hundred of them that are set up for January through May. Okay. And then I'll try and record another 140 between now and the end of May so I can be covered for the rest of the year. Gotcha. And you can also go to the website, allsaintsministry.org. Lots of good information there. And um, people, if they need to reach out and speak with you or maybe have them have you on their own podcast, can they do that right there at the website? Yeah, uh, my contacts page is my email address and my phone number. But um, if you don't want to look through all that and you made it this far into this video, uh, 802-578-6554 is my phone number. It goes directly to my phone. It is, and when it rings, I answer it. Hmm. Uh, my email address is mysticforgod at yahoo.com. My email address or my website is allsaintsministry.org. Yes, Excellent. and Zachary it has been so helpful. I've called you quite a bit on, on a lot of different things. And uh, actually, I think Danielle and I will probably call you one day. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you what's a good day that we can call and talk to you. <laughs> yeah, because I have a couple of other things I need to talk to you about separate from what we talked about tonight off air. But... <laughs> Well, we have to plan it out because I do interviews a lot, and I also do phone calls on a lot of days. Mm -hmm. I'll email you. Okay. Oh, did we lose? Oh, I thought you froze up there for a second. Okay, good. <laughs> I thought the Zoom gave out. All right, Zach. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. We appreciate you as always. Guys, over there on Rumble, lots of lurkers tonight on Rumble. Thank you so much for watching. If you guys can hit that thumbs up on your way out, that would be amazing because we, we're starting to hit the algorithms. We're starting to get in that groove there. We're kind of getting in the sweet spot. So we really need your help if you guys can do that. If you, if you enjoyed what you heard tonight or learned anything, please go ahead and hit that thumbs up. If you are so inclined to subscribe, we would also appreciate that too. But we're just asking for a thumbs up right now. So if you can do that, that would be great. Also, of course, on the Foxhole, all our friends here on the Foxhole, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Foxhole family is always awesome. Lots of great stuff in there tonight. Everybody enjoyed what you were saying, Zach. They got a lot of good information out of it, and hopefully they can take it and use it in whatever their callings are and give things that God's given them. Use that as good information in this spiritual warfare that we are all involved in. And uh, it is very apparent in the times we are living that it is absolutely necessary that you understand what it, we're engaging in in that unseen realm. 
So um, I look forward to having you back, Zach. Have a great night, everybody. God bless. Take care. We will be back Saturday night, me and Megan, for uh, re-examine with Megan Walsh. That'll be at 11 p.m. We're going to go over the um, quite a bit of stuff. Uh, the Bush family and their involvement in a lot of this stuff that uh, happened with her father, John Walsh. Uh, also, we're going to discuss a few other tidbits of information that Lindsay has dug up that's very, I think you're going to find very interesting. So we will see you Saturday night, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a great night. God bless. Ladies, thanks as always. Go visit Rescue the Fosters. Wait, when's when's the website going to be available? Uh, I'm hoping it's going to be available by next week. Okay. I'm cool. almost there. I am almost there. <laughs> and She's I, working you hard. Know what? I had no idea I could put together a website, but I'm excited. <laughs> it does. It looks great. I've seen it. it looks excellent. Okay. Have a great night, everybody. Take care.